two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Wednesday, January 25th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what the UofL College of Business can do for you. We're on the air from 3 to 6 today on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford with you here in the pilot seat. Trevor Kelsey behind the glass, rocking the All Eagles gear. It's a big night for TK. He's going to leave the show early. He's got uh, AEW in Rupp Arena. Well, I don't know how Orange Cassidy was at KS Bar last night. So I took a picture with a kid that was dressed up pretty cool. He did? Yeah, a, kid, a little kid that was dressed up in the all denim outfit with a sign that said, it's my birthday or whatever. Well, he had a great <laughs> visit at Bar Chronicle a couple hours later. I heard. Took two pictures with two kids that were on all denim. Uh, it was both their birthdays as well, so it was a fantastic night over there. And the two best friends also showed up, Chuck Taylor and, and Trent Beretta. We had a, we had a great time. They yeah. were at, at our place too. We didn't we don't like to publicize things. It's okay. We you know <laughs> some people are all about that. Just just trying to get their faces out there, trying to get the notoriety. We like to move in silence. We're, we're more like orange. We're just like kind of going with the flow. We're very lax. We just yeah. you know, we we take it easy. It's who we are. It's what we do. But your so the the big debate for you, and if you're just listening, if you haven't been listening this week, TK is he's got very good seats tonight for AEW. He's going to be on TV, basically. Hopefully, I mean, that's that's where your seats are set up. You're supposed to be on TV. I'm on like yeah, the, the side that you watch when you're watching it, and you see that this you know the ring side. I'm on that side, which is called the hard cam, but I'm seat I'm like seat thirteen, so I'm probably near the I don't know I'm near the end of that row, but I just don't know which side. You're going to be on TV, so I, I'm, I'm if they go out and wrestle in the. Outside, I'll probably you'll be there. I'll probably get on. And great news announced last night after we left here. What was that? The good people. I guess they heard me complaining at Warner Brothers. Uh huh. They have changed their mind. The uh, Mark Briscoe, the brother of the late Jay Briscoe, uh, will wrestle tonight now, and they're allowed to do a tribute to him, which ironically would be Jay Briscoe's 38th birthday today. Well, there you go. That's very cool. So the his passing uh, on his birthday, his brother will wrestle Jay Lethal, which will be a great match. And I can't wait for that. Now I'm now I'm even more excited to go tonight. It's shaping up to be a terrific night. Yeah, you're excited. You're going to be on TV. The big debate was what are you going to wear to this thing? You're you're now you're decked out in Eagles gear right now. You got the Eagles hoodie, the Eagles sweatpants. Yeah. Is this your on camera attire? Well, the, the, the pants probably yes because okay. I'm not much of a change pants guy. Uh, the shirt I'm still leaning towards wrestling shirt or the Louisville shirt. <laughs> 
I'm torn. Because I like because the little shirt, you know, it's black, obviously slimming, and it's got uh, the one I, I was going to wear that I thought it's in the car along with a couple other shirts, but it's got like the, just the big cardinal head logo on it. Okay. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of like that. I, I do too. You're I making mean, a statement. You're putting the vibe out I, there. I'm putting it out there. And I mean, you, you know, because how many times have we seen, have you watched something where something going on, especially in at least in my sense, in, in, in terms of me at a, a wrestling event in rep, at, at Louisville, whether it be at the Yum Center or it be at Freedom Hall, and you see people walk around in UK gear all the time. Oh, yeah. It's all annoying. the time. Why can't, why is the not good for the gander? I don't like the. The pot cannot be, the, the kettle can be black with the pot, right? Now, I, I don't like the showing up to your rivals' games against other teams wearing your stuff. I think that's, no, that's no. silly. You yeah. can't, we make fun of them all the time. There was a L fan at the, whatever game they played like last week. They, I think it was the Georgia game, and the, the picture got tossed around, and all these UK fans tagged me. They're like, there's always one, the obsession. I'm like, congrats. You had one L fan in L gear at a UK home game. We've had 75,000 over the last 10 years. It's 75,000 to one. First of all. But if I, you're going to rep for like yeah. a non-UK event, I think that's on the table. I think, I think that's too. fine. Also, I never understood like to go like I've gone to one U. I, I, I kid you not, I think one UK game that wasn't a versus U of L, and that was in 1996 with my uncle to see Stephon Marbury play Georgia Tech. Ooh. That's how long ago it was. Like I don't, I don't see the. the I never got the, the the passion of like. I mean, I get you want to watch some college basketball, but I mean, if you're not a U of L fan, then why would you go to U of L game that isn't against Kentucky? Yeah, I went in college just because I was in Lexington for the weekend. There was nothing else to do. We went to UK, I think South Carolina basketball game, and you know, it was just middle of the day. Yeah, I was 16 by the way when I, I did I mean, not yeah. wear U of L stuff. I did not wear UK. I just wore, you know, I think I didn't a, wear U of L, black hoodie or something. I don't know. Just uh, just something to do. Got a free ticket, nice seats, basketball game. Why not go? Um, Granted, mine was 96. I may have worried you, but I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah. I doubt I did because I think we ended up sitting in the, uh, we ended up moving down into like the student section. And oh. I remember, because I remember we couldn't, we weren't allowed to sit during the whole game. You had to stand because everyone else stood. The, the eruptions of. Yeah. That's how we, we, I couldn't take being up in the bleachers anymore. It's still to this day, the first and last time I'll ever sit in a rep in the bleachers. I've sat in the bleachers for a concert before. I it was brutal. Scary to I had Billy Bob from Varsity Blues sitting on our section two. <laughs> like t- and it's one of those things where like And I'm a you think I'm a big guy, this was, man. This was bigger than you, but it was like so they have the numbered seats in the bleachers. Yes. Like they've got the little numbers on them. There's barely enough room for small people to fit into those numbers. I get there, Billy Bob's there before me. He's like Full left ass cheek is on the number, like covering the number where I'm supposed to be sitting. You can't even see where you're sitting. And it's one of those where, like, how do I ask this man, like, okay, well, this is my seat. There's nowhere for you to move. I see it, but I also have nowhere to sit now. It was a very awkward situation. I didn't, did not, not enjoy it at all. Let's not forget the, even the steepness of the upper level as That's well. That's Makes you feel like if you lean forward too much, you're going to fall straight to your death. Very old school Riverfront Stadium for the Reds. Yeah, Just so that was terrifying that, moment. That was my first and last tenure up in the upper level of Rupp Arena. That was 1996. Maybe I guess yeah, it was nice six yeah, because it was uh, it was one I just remember UK just destroyed him. Marbury broke his nose right before the half and didn't play the second half. Now, if you do wear the cards gear tonight, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're going to get some some like two and seventeen comments. That's gonna well, happen. That's fun. And you, I, I think you can handle that. Like you can, you can, you'll be able to deal with that. Like I'm unaware of it. Like it's first of all, I'm gonna sit there and correct him. And go to be three and after tonight, punk. Yeah, like, <laughs> you guys ever heard of Emmanuel Okor for? Yeah, because yeah. you're about to. Now watch this match. Chloroform going to put you to sleep. Yeah, that's the, the problem is you can't pronounce his last name, so it's not going to come off as, as that cool when you're trying to like shoot people down. You guys ever heard of Emmanuel Okor? Okor, and they're going to be like Ameka. 
by the time I get it out, they've done walked away. Like, ah, you didn't get my insult. They're Googling this guy. They can't find any information about him because they you well, can't say his last world. name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, you, you, you're going to have a good time. I'm excited I'm about a, this. I'm ready to have a blast. I think it's going to be fun. Now, you will. I mean, you're going to miss the game. I'm DVR. I got it set up on DVR and the ACC network already. But you watch games delayed anyway. So this is, it, it's really nothing new. Oh, and I'm staying on, I mean, I'm, I'm staying off social media. I have no problem doing an internet blackout during. Especially while I'm at the end, because I was going to be late by the time I get home, because they're recording Rampage, the show that plays on Friday night afterwards. Oh, cool. So the the live show goes 8 to 10, and then I'll I'll be there from 10 to 11 for the uh, recording as well. For everybody else. Then there's they're recording the the YouTube show beforehand. So. Now, for everybody else, it, it's bad enough that we're in this position where it's like, look, 2 and 17 Louisville versus <laughs> a 9 and 11 Boston College team that according to the, the metrics, uh, Bart Torvik, Ken Pomeroy, Sagarin, net rankings, whatever you want to use. Your whole wedding party. My whole wedding party <laughs> is the second worst team in the ACC besides us. The fact that we have to tip this game off at 9 o'clock on a Wednesday <laughs> is just, it feels unfair. It feels mean. And I, I never used to mind because I, I was a night owl anyway. But now as somebody who gets very tired and who wants to kind of move things along and who is, is having the start of this game happen right as the, my daughter's going to be going to bed, it's just... <sighs> I wish we could just go ahead and, and get it on at 7. I, I wish they could play the game right now. I, I might be wrong. Maybe I'm just thinking of one other time. But I feel like since we've been in the ACC, and I know Boston College isn't exactly the sexiest matchup, really, when we joined the ACC. From the BC game's now. always at 9? On Wednesdays. I think so, too. And it's always Wednesdays so too, at yeah. 9. I feel like I've had the same thought earlier today when I was writing it out, when like I was doing I, the preview. Like, I know. I mean, I, I guess there's a way to go back and look, maybe. If there is. To check you can look the at dates, I know for a fact we played them like a couple, like last year, the year before at nine o'clock. Because I remember at Boston College, there was like seventeen people in the crowd. I'm thinking, well, that's every game that could be. Yeah, but know. I'm thinking, how could they even get this many people here on a Wednesday night between these two bad teams? I I remember almost I, I would be willing to put money on it. The game that we lost there, which was Chris Mack's first season, it was the, it's the only time that we've lost to BC since we joined the ACC. I'm almost positive that was a nine o'clock game. Like I remember it being late and being like, "This is this sucks." This is, what are that, we doing? No, that's not like on. It's always. It feels like it's always Wednesday too. I feel like the games that we play against them here though are typically Saturdays. Well, but what, we don't play them here this year. This is the only time we play. I mean, wasn't season. it just two years ago the the uh, the leak the roof leak game? That was a night game on a weeknight, wasn't it? It was. I think that was the seven o'clock game. Okay, but, but it's it, still always a weeknight. Like, it weeknight. felt late because it was delayed for seventy five well, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but we won. I was out of town that game. I remember I was talking to my buddy. He was like, I was like, I want to, I was like, I gotta get the Louisville start game. He's like, take your time. Like he's like, he's on the, he's on his phone. He's like, you all got to, re- it's raining. Like it's a basketball game. That was last year. Remember <laughs> it was, it was the leak. I thought it was the year before. Okay. No, it was last year. We, was were, on, last year we were on the radio. That was the yeah. whole thing. We, you know, the, the leak was better than the tweak. And then it, <laughs> it wound up not being the case, but that's, what, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, ACC Network tonight, two announcers that I've never heard of are on the call. At least it's better than Bally's, I guess. Yeah, it is. That, that's how you know it's good, is when you get the announcers that have never... I, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's first name. I'm sorry. A last name. Well, don't ask me. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not looking it up either, but props to you guys for doing the Louisville-BC game. But this is... Uh, you don't. You can't pronounce either name? The second person, I don't know their name, but... I. I I think I could pronounce it when I wrote it earlier. Let me look it up. Oh, yeah. The first guy, I've never, I have no idea. I'm sorry. If you, don't, if you don't know him, then I don't know him, I'm sure. If Listen you're in town listening player. to the show right now, my sincerest apologies, because I'm sorry. John Metterperil. Yeah. I'd and know. then Malcolm Huckabee's the an analyst who I have heard of. Okay. Um, but I I don't know the one. first guy. But 
I heard their voice. Maybe I'd recognize it, but I don't know. They get the call I mean, tonight. They, they drew their short straws. Nine o'clock, <laughs> ACC Network. It will who did, be a who did, who did be pissed off at the ACC studios? He's like, really? He's like, this is... <laughs> Feign enthusiasm for this. He's like, how to get this game? His boss was like, the last time you'll take my parking spot. Yeah, I mean that's look, it's what it is. You call the game; they're going to do the best they can. Everybody's going to do the best they can. Look, the negativity is in the past. A core of four is here. Everything's different now. He's making the guys hustle. He's hitting free throws so they don't have to hustle anymore. He's watching game film at midnight. Core of four nailed it. A core of four. It's a core of four. Exactly, you nailed it. A core of four. A okay. core, a core four. A core four. Look at you. Look at that. You're never gonna forget again. A core of four. Yeah, you're, you're never gonna forget. So, obviously, I, I think that we basically look at the season as we're zero and zero, zero and zero. It's the season opener tonight. I mean, listen, the, the stars are lining up here, people. It's, it started last night with Eastern Michigan making you think they were gonna get a fifth win, and they didn't. Oh, we gotta talk about that. You know, Bates, despite scoring 49 points, still can't get a victory. 43. I thought it was 49. 49, would have, they would have won, but 43, they fell, they fell short. Even better. Short. Yeah. So, Holy Toledo, that was close. Second, we are three days away from the Eagles beating the, 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 the Niners to go to the Super Bowl. And tonight, Louisville gets win number. What number? Three. Trace. Three's the magic number, Doug Gottlieb. Are you genuinely feeling confident about this tonight? Because you... We both picked this game as a Hell win a few no. weeks ago. I was just saying, then <laughs> yesterday no. on the show, you were not expressing a whole lot of optimism. So I'm too sober to be that confident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two reasons. One, I haven't watched enough of Boston College. I mean, do, and two, really I've watched to. too much of Louisville. Yeah. It's... So therefore, those two things combined tell me yes, I have no confidence. Like I'd watched North Carolina play a few times. Like I knew when North Carolina brought the table when I was trying to be extra cocky. But I, I mean. Sorry, I mean, I haven't made time to watch a Boston College game. Put me in the same category with all their cl- students and fans. And everybody else. And everyone else in the, in the, in the, in the free world. Besides Malcolm Huckabee, probably. I mean, maybe hostages are being held and forced to watch their games. But other than that, no. By the way, the last two, looking at that, the last two times we played at Chestnut Hill, well, the last time was a noon game, but the last two weeknight games. Oh, we put a noon game? That's almost worse. Well, that was Saturday. Oh, well. That's, some, that's why I was surprised we <laughs> It wasn't Wednesday, Saturday. which feels more fitting. <laughs> but the last two times we played a weeknight game against Boston College, the 2019-20 season and then the 2018-19 season where we lost, they both were 9 o'clock tip-offs. Yeah, so, so we're, so we're not crazy. Like four out of five, yeah. We're whatever. not crazy. Yeah, well, every time we play up there on a weeknight, it's it's a 9 o'clock tip-off. Well, it's like a throwaway game for the schedule. It's like, you know, ACC Network's like, uh, we got either this or another version of uh, the classic Save Coach K and – after you know a couple minutes of debating, they probably decided to finally put us on. I do kind of wonder if schedule makers just get they have like a template and you know you've got it down, and then you just change up a few things, tweak it like a little bit here and there for year to year. <laughs> you know, sometimes like I've got recurring pieces when we like the wake I did a Wake Forest recapping the the weird history that we have of, uh, as like a weird rivalry in football. Yeah, and it's mostly evergreen, but you have to add like a latest game or update something from a few years ago. I wonder if that's what they, how they do scheduling. Because what other reason could you have for constantly having Louisville Boston College at nine o'clock on a Wednesday? They forgot to change it years ago. They put it. That's on what I'm there. saying. They put it on there in like 2017. Just forgot about us. Every time we play them there, it's it's nine o'clock. I mean, I, I'm assuming the tweak when scheduling would be just like, okay, here's our base schedule, like you said, and then let's see if someone's better than we expected them to be. Yeah, like a Miami. You set up your big and Monday clearly games. Clearly, in the last five years, it has not been Boston College and Louisville. Yeah, you set up your big <laughs> Monday games against the teams that you think are going to be 
good. You, you set up also like your Saturday night games. Yeah. They're supposed to be the showcase games. And then the occasional, maybe you have, like I said, Miami's been playing a little better. You have, yeah. you know, Virginia. Oh, Virginia's always usually good, but Clemson's playing better this year. You look at that and go, okay, maybe we'll, we'll move this around. Yeah, those are your year to year tweaks. But Louisville, most part, yeah, you're probably right. Louisville Boston College, you're you're pretty safe. You're, you're scheduling basically any Boston College game. You're you're pretty safe scheduling Wednesday night, nine o'clock. I like how also uh, last night was uh, when I uh, one of the last things I flipped on the channel before I went to bed was a thirty for thirty, and it was the one about the Boston College point shaving. It's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> so I just looked it up every year that we've played them in the every time we've played them in the ACC since we joined the conference at their place that hasn't been on a Saturday. It's been a nine o'clock tip. So we're not we're not crazy. And it's probably those are probably obviously weeknights as well, not just Saturday nights. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when yeah. we play Saturday, we always play at noon because yeah. that's the throwaway slate for the the ACC pretty much. Yeah, I can't imagine Global Boston College got a nine o'clock tip off on a Saturday night. But we have played four weeknight games in Chestnut Hill. They've all been nine o'clock tips. Yeah, we weren't insane then. No. Sometimes I think this time confusing just one year to the next is is, is a longer term. But yeah, yeah. So that's uh, the, that's tonight. We'll talk more in depth about BC as the show goes on, if you want to. I mean, we don't. We, you really want? We, we, <laughs> I could name you more classic Boston College players than I could probably current roster players. Well, I, mean, I could name you twelve. The current roster has basically been their roster for the last two years. There's a lot of the game names. I that stand by what I if said. You, <laughs> if you paid any attention to the BC games of the past, you'll you'll recognize some of the names. I mean, <laughs> like Howard Isley, Makai Ashton Langford has played college basketball since. Literally the 2017-18 season, which was the David Paget year. So John Bagley, he's been there for a long, long, long time, and he's for the fifth straight year of their best player. So. I can name more guys off the team that knocked off North Carolina in '96 to go to the lead eight than I can probably Howard Isley and Bill Curley right there. Yeah, you can do that with like most <laughs> ACC teams. I feel like <laughs> they weren't even in the ACC then. <laughs> if you have thoughts on today's uh, topics, we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the game as the show goes on. Or if you have other stuff to get off your mind, uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Stacks line. We'd love to hear from you, as always. And uh, while you're at it, download that Refreshing Rewards app from Thornton's. Save you money every time you need to fuel up. And it's also, for a limited time, hooking you up with a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink. If you're a new Refreshing Rewards program member, you're going to get free coffee, free tea, free whatever, fountain drink, whatever your heart can desire, whatever your mind can imagine, Thornton's is going to give it to you for free. They're also going to give you one of their delicious Breakfast sandwiches, no charge as well, just by becoming, just for becoming a Refreshing Rewards member. And when you're done with that, text us at 502-414-1450. I, I know you, unfortunately, while you can't indulge yourself in it recently, but you are a big coffee guy. Uh, yeah, I'm back off. I had to, I had to get off no. the heart uh, once again after getting COVID again. Uh, couldn't take it. I'm going to try again, assuming things that go okay. I'm going to try again in like a month and a half, I think, is, is the target date. Because we finally got back, got over that hurdle after five months, yeah. six months, completely off the bean. Was going great for two months, then got COVID again. Some stuff has, has started again and had to had to give it up. Very sad. Are you a tea guy, though? I hate tea. Like, is Cannot just, stand it. Like Now, does this any tea or will you drink like... No, can't like, do it. Like iced tea? No, hate iced tea. Even sweet or unsweet? Hate, don't like sweet tea. No, I, I, hate, I hate sweet tea, too, but I'm a... I mean... I can't stand even tea. the McDonald's on sweet tea. No, oh, everything they say about it in Ted Lasso, I totally agree. Like when he's like, he's like, he's like, you guys are playing a prank. He's like, it's like well, he's drinking. He, it's warm bath water with some slight flavoring in it. Warm tea is nasty. I agree. Every tea is nasty. I don't know. I, I, I can't I, do it. I've tried. I'm, I would agree with you, every with the exception of like Lipton's cold iced tea. That's I can't do it. Unsweet, no. I am the only. I'm with you. I'm, we are maybe the only two Southerners that may don't like sweet tea. But there was a there's like a special tea that Debbie at the front desk when I was first got sick, like back in in May. 
she was like, this will, you know, this, this might help. Like, just give it a try. It helps me with stuff. I tried it. it most disgusting thing I've ever tried in my life. Sorry. I, I, every time somebody suggests a different type of tea that this is great for tea haters, they'll, even they love this. I, I can't get into it. Other things that like I despise. Have you tried it hot though? Have you tried cold? I've tried cold. I've tried hot. I don't like okay. any, any variety of tea. And other things that I despised growing up, like I've come around. Like I did not, I could not drink ginger ale growing up. Oh, I love. I ginger like ginger ale, ale now. I love it's ginger great ale, when you're yeah. when you're not feeling great. Um, I enjoy ginger ale, but tea I, I try periodically every now and then, and I just I can't do it. Not raspberry ginger ale. That stuff's nasty. I don't think I've ever tried it. It's like uh, Canadian Dry has like as regular ginger ale, and they have like a raspberry flavor. It's nasty. Regular ginger, ale, I agree. Then again, I I, don't know, I, I grew up member in a grandparents' house, so ginger ale is kind of. Yeah, it, it was. It, you kind of have to add along with listening to John Denver and watching MacGyver. Kind of all kind of go hand in hand. There's nothing wrong with any of those. Things <laughs> yeah, besides the tea. I agree. I mean, uh, but yeah, the, the iced tea and the like. When I worked at Books a Million, we used to have the the flavored tea that you'd make for hot tea. But I would put like a bunch of them in, in the uh, mix a bunch of it up, and make it cold, and put it over ice. Oh, I was good. A little peach flavored. All right. I'm just kidding. You, you mentioned coffee and tea there on the drink i can't do tea yeah. so if you do like tea you can get thorns you can get coffee and get, you know, but if you do yeah thorns wants to give you a, a free tea the best kind of tea <laughs> have a couple sips and throw it away the best way to treat it that's, that's the, who cares it's free <laughs> do whatever you want uh 502-414-1450 is that number again uh, i love I, I watched a little bit of speaking of college basketball last night you mentioned amani bates yeah going off game, yeah. i mean we got the the tweet started coming out Right when they do, I start getting notifications from everybody. You start getting notifications. I, I got Mr. John Spears calling his Saints game, going to a timeout, and when he comes in, he, I go, 30 or a minute? He goes, 30. You might want to look what EMU's doing. <laughs> I'm like, you're calling a game, John. What are you talking about? So at one point last night, a money base scores 29 straight points for EMU, who's playing in a game against Toledo that they're, they're supposed to lose. They're supposed to lose all their games. But yeah, well, yeah. this one was not supposed to be very close. And... Bates's heroics have them in front, almost in front of the half, and then he, not, they weren't even leading. they weren't even leading the half. <laughs> Lord, he then goes on a tear to start the second half, and they, I think, got a, the league got as big as seven, maybe nine in the second half, and it's looking it, it's looking dire for TK. Like this, I got TJ Walker messaging me, <laughs> yeah. Patrick's messaging I'm us. I'm on a thread. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> talking about how like, if EMU gets to five wins, it's almost insurmountable. And if you have no idea what we're talking about. Trevor and uh, and Scooter Dingus, the producer for the KRC in the morning, uh, the two producers here, the two big producers here at the Big X, have a bet about who's going to win more games this season, Eastern Michigan or Louisville, and the there's record, $500 on the line. He's not an EMU fan. He's not. The, he's an IU fan. It just came about with the Bates. He was doing our show. The Bates transferring. It, it, the whole thing started with Amani Bates yeah. not going to Louisville. And I'm saying it doesn't matter if he comes right. here. I'm okay with it. He and knows EMU will be better anyway. I believe we were on remote, so Scoots was producing our show back in the Jeffersonville studios. and he. I think I think it was when we were with Jenna and I was in there with you. Is that what happened? I'm pretty sure. And it, he well, one way or the other, he weighed yeah. in yeah. saying, he listens. I think that Eastern Michigan will have a better season than Louisville with Amani Bates. And it came back to like, what, what really does a better season entail? You know, they're still going to be bad, but we're, we might be bad. And it came down to you guys betting who just total win total. Yeah. And I got it has of... been the worst bet in the history of gambling. Horrible. It's like watching the, it's like watching the losing weight contest in heavyweights. Cause I make a couple of comments about Eastern Michigan last night. Cause I'm watching the game and, and watching Bates and every, I mean, God, every Louisville fan on both sides of this thing, the, the anti-KP, the pro-KP, however you want to phrase it, <laughs> they are so on edge and so sensitive. 
Like I, I, all I do is mention Amani Bates. Like I'm watching the game. The guy who like I'm like this guy who I thought was going to go to Louisville. I'm watching to see if he can win 50. Basically saying that I'm watching Eastern Michigan play basketball, making fun of the fact that they're four and 15. This is what I'm doing on my Wednesday, Tuesday night, and everybody's like, oh. I'm sure you would have loved to have Bates so we could have those four wins right now. I'm like, I'm not making a, a statement one way or the other on anything. Like, what? What? Just calm down. What? All I'm doing is talking about the fact that I'm watching this game. This kid's having an unreal performance, which he did. I'm well aware of the fact that his team sucks. Uh, but if they had won last night, which they did not, it would have – I don't know if you could get to five wins. I don't know if Louisville's going to be able to get I'm, to five. I don't either, and I love how the person's talking smack to you. Like, I bet you love those four wins and, like – I bet, yeah, we have two. You it would be double. I'm a yeah, moron. I'm not that great would, at math, but it would be nice. Yeah, last I checked, four was greater than two. I mean, I don't know. Score one for public education, but still, I mean, I will say this: like, I don't. A lot of people you listen to the show. You, they say that I'm overly critical of what's happening right now. I don't think I don't think that's the case. One thing that I I won't kill Kenny Payne for is the decision not to take Amani Bates. I was in favor of it when we were considering because I said, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The roster is not good right now. I think he can help. I still think he would have helped. But or would help, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched the game last night. I mean, he was he was like 9 of 13 from 3. I didn't have to watch the game last night. I could tell he's you. Good. Yeah, it, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, it's just the question is is one of my favorite phrases, is the juice worth the squeeze? Exactly. And and I think that that's what it comes down to. And if Kenny Payne determined that the red flags surrounding Amani Bates, whatever led him to, to back away in that recruitment just weren't worth it because of this, you know, the big picture that he has in his mind, then so be it. Like, I'm not going to crush him for that. That was his, that's his right. That's his stance. Um, it's not just off the court stuff to me. It'd be, it'd be the fact that Kenny's made it clear. One of the few things he has been clear about is he wants to build what a culture. And if you bring has he said a, that, I've heard that word mentioned once or twice. It's almost as many times as we played Boston college at nine o'clock on a weeknight. And the thing is, you bring in Bates, he's going to be here one year. Is this team better? Probably. Does this team maybe have more than two wins? Odds are yes. They could be closer to five or six. I think we probably win, if not all the one-point games, maybe early in the season, we win maybe half of them or something. Point being is, is is any any of that helping the program go forward going into next year? Right. I think that's the question. Because he's going to leave after this year regardless. Is being an eight-win team this year worth not making any strides towards next season? Worth, yeah, in your eyes, having a guy who's going to maybe stagnate the process of of building the culture and getting guys further along. You're putting a Band-Aid on a broken arm, and it's just not – I mean, it's something you would do like if you're – because I think it's uh, Stan Heath did even – it's a movie you make if you're staying heat when you're just kind of grasping for straws of your job. He's trying to save his job. Yeah, you and bring him by in the way, and try to get a decent... Probably not going to do it. Not gonna, They're 4 not, and 16. Not going to work. It was worth a shot if you're staying heat, but it ain't going to work. Some Hail Marys just fall five yards short of the end zone. Now, let me be clear. If I'm Kenny Payne, uh, unless he knew something that, that wasn't already out there, I know that Monty Bates had the, the, the gun charge, and which ended up getting dropped and all that yeah. stuff, the, the running up there, I would have taken a Monty Bates. I would have. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not. But I don't feel so strongly about it, like you just said, that I'm going to crush him over. I, I don't think that. I think Amani Bates makes this team better. I don't think, having seen what we we've seen so far this year, that you can sit here and say Amani Bates makes us like an NCAA tournament team or a no, team that's no. 500 in conference play or anything like that. So if he wanted to say, like, I I don't think to use your phrase, the juice is worth a squeeze, then so be it. It makes the season what I'm more, more watchable, real quick, but not the program better for sure. What, what I'm more mad about is the fact that he didn't get anybody to 
supplant Amani Bates. Yeah. Like you don't have to have somebody with that talent, but you have to have somebody, right? Like if we're gonna pass on Bates and Dior Johnson and the other guys that we swung and missed on, cool. But you've got to go get somebody, and that just just never happened, um, which hello, is the big issue. A core four. Well, guards per, per, was, was kind of what I'm. <laughs> I've talking heard he about. has guard ability. He can play everywhere. I mean, it was he he knew what he was doing. He just had to wait for his birthday so he could turn eligible. We may just start him tonight. We may just nobody else. Just one player. Wouldn't you start him? I, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, think, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> if a if a if an Okorafor starts at Boston College on a Wednesday night, does anyone notice? <laughs> if you start Emmanuel Okorafor tonight and you're Kenny Payne, barring him coming out and dribbling like Stanley from the office, nobody's <laughs> going to crush you for it. No, nobody's going to be like, I can't believe he started this kid who just got a, like nobody. Everybody right now just wants you to to do whatever the hell you can. Well, just try more like Kevin from the office. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody would get overly upset. I think people will be more more upset if you don't play him at all than they would be if you started him and played him like 38 minutes tonight. <laughs> but we'll see what happens there. There were no offense to him in the beginning of the game. <laughs> but so so Bates goes nuts last night. Yeah. He scores 43 points. He was 9 of 14 from 3, which is outrageous. That's insane. He was... Open? I didn't watch any of the game. Th- he so. takes a lot of deep threes. They, okay. A lot of them were content. I mean, he was just... He looked fantastic. Stung, yeah. Now, granted, like, their entire offense at that point was, like, give him the ball and just, like, let him go. Which Man, is, it should be at every game at this point. Well, it kind of has been, which has been sort of the issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got one other play. The Noah Farrakhan kid is okay. They've got no... I've watched them play a couple of times just because I'm curious to see him. I mean, I, I've been... It's not a Louisville thing. I think Amani Bates has been. I've been. It's a story. If you can go check my Twitter's timeline, I've been really interested in him since he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, just yeah. because I, 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 I hate seeing stories where kids surround themselves with the wrong adults and the adults ruin the kid and all that stuff. And I, I think it's a good thing for him that it looks like he's playing his way into becoming an NBA draft pick. Maybe second round, but it sounds like he's got a lot of buzz that he didn't have coming into the season. He's he's put up gigantic numbers at a program where if he's good enough, he should be putting up gigantic numbers. So that's good for him. But the good news for you, Toledo makes a, a, a furious Ooh. late run. They win the game 84-79. That's my Rockets. EMU drops to 4-16 and overall and 1-6 and in the MAC. And the, the other big thing that's you know, not just them stacking up wins right now, we mentioned this earlier this week, for the bet, the MAC has 12 teams. They only let 8 in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. So Louisville's going to play a conference tournament regardless. If they can... At least one. Yeah. If EMU loses out, which is they're projected like us to lose every game left on their schedule, and we can steal two wins, maybe get two of these next four, or get one in the next couple of weeks, and then get one late in the season. We have Georgia Tech after Boston College, right? Or no, Florida State. We have we have Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame, who's one and right. seven, and then next week we get GT and Florida State. Okay, I knew I knew I knew the I knew the four teams in the next three, next three games. I just couldn't remember the order. The the these are the four worst teams in the ACC besides exactly. us. This is our, this is our stretch right here. This is you know we're this, we're fifteen. They are this, this is eleven through fourteen that we've got yeah. coming up. This is us at the free throw line with no one around. We so gotta if, hit these. If we can get to and get you level going into the postseason, Ooh. we get a game. Theoretically, a winnable game, probably the 15-11 game. We'd play another one of, you know, it would, could be Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, BC, like one of those teams again. And EMU, no games to play in the postseason. Ooh. That game could be for a sweet $500 for you. Things are going to get a little too spicy for the pepper. There's a nice American Dad reference. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd get that or not. <laughs> There's a, a, a <laughs> recent history of 15 seeds in this tournament getting out of that tournament, uh, getting out of that Tuesday, playing with some, you know, Spirit, some you know, it's it's a refreshing start for a team that's been down the whole year. The 11 seed is typically more of like a, well, we're just kind of pissed that the season didn't go better. We had some success, but we're we shouldn't be playing on this day. 
We can win that game. And it'll probably be a Boston College rematch, won't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, it's 15 versus 11, so it, it, it'll be the. Oh, okay. I was thinking. I was thinking the bottom two teams play each other in the playing game. No, it'll be. Well, it's 15 versus 10. I should say it's 15, 10, 11, 14, 12 versus 13. Okay. So it'll be a team that's that's bad, but not the second worst team. And then if we win, we'll play the the seventh seed. We're already oh, looking well, at. That's not, that's we're also not. already assuming that we're just going to be the fifteen, which is incredibly depressing <laughs> in part, January. I'll be honest, with you, that part's more accurate than thinking we're going to win. Maybe. We're trying to win the bet. <laughs> we're we're all about the bet right now. So I, I watched a little bit of that. The other game that I watched that I was just curious because it was close late, and Carolina very much is in the same situation they were last year. They can't afford to take bad losses in, in late January. They were on the ropes against Syracuse and got. If you watch this, you know what I'm talking about. I missed it. Yeah, I was doing. I was doing say next Eastern last night. It was full on ACC Carolina refereeing. Like they did the same thing they did to us <laughs> last year at the Yum Center, where they're like, Syracuse didn't make the NCAA tournament. We need Carolina in the NCAA tournament. They can't afford to lose this game. So guess what? Anytime you touch a Carolina player, that's going to be a charge. Anytime you maybe look at a Carolina player the wrong way, that's going to be a flagrant. Anytime Carolina does, you know, Mondo Baycott wants to pick up a dude and break him over his leg, it's not going to be an offensive foul. They let, and Syracuse did not help themselves either, but they let Q, uh, Carolina get away with everything down the stretch. And you can find there's a, a whole bunch of. Um, was was it was it in Syracuse or no? It was, at, it was at Caradome. It was, okay. it was like our game last year at the Yum Center where yeah, we yeah, had yeah. no home court advantage. They got every single call down the stretch. There's a there's a bunch of video threads about this that are out there that Syracuse fans have put together, like, like we did last year, where Baycott was just tackling dudes and we were somehow getting called for fouls. It was like, Syracuse still could have won. They did not cover themselves in glory in the final minute, but the refs did everything they possibly could to make sure that Carolina wasn't going to take what would have been a really really bad loss for their resume last night. That's why we lost them. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. That's my guarantee would have been true if it weren't for the rest. Crap. Well, are you, are you meant this year. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you meant. I'm not so sure about this year. Uh, Alex, nope. Nope. That's what it was. Rest stole from us. <laughs> I mean, they had to work their ass off to make it a 22-point swing, but it was the, oh, they man. did it. Elsewhere, really quickly in the ACC, Miami uh, destroyed Florida State on the road. I thought that would be closer. I think I'm still all in on Miami. They went 86 to 63. Clemson, no trouble with Georgia Tech at home, 72 to 51. And then NC State avoided what also would have been a pretty catastrophic loss for them uh, at home against Notre Dame. They won 85 to 82 as they continue to. NC State just perpetually on the bubble, always a bubble team. They're going to be an average team. They they are. They're just, I mean, not not horrible, but if if they are to make the tournament, they're, they're, you're, Eight to twelve, nine to twelve seed. I feel like Syracuse, Clemson, and NC State have played in every eight nine ACC tournament game that's ever been played. Every Probably. single one, yeah. every one. One of those teams has been in that game every single year. They're, just, they're always right there. Q's even going back to the Big East outside of those years when they were really good. Right at the end, I feel like they were always kind of in that eight nine. Well, they always range. kind of had the underachieving regular season to a degree. They I mean, did. you had the little stretch in the late eighties where they were the the top seeds, but then again, that was also when they were the first two seed to lose the tournament. Rashawn Myers also just tweeted, and you can also you can always tweet at the show. We love the text line, but if you want to tweet at us, hit us up at Card Chronicle oh, at Trevor Kelsey. No, no picture of you today, but he oh. said in prep for the BC game tonight, I was reminded of Jay Heath who went to the portal. We passed on him, and now he's averaging 13 points per game for Georgetown. Who, by the way, I heard broke the streak last night against Look DePaul. At that. All those DePaul a holes who tweet me after every single game, they're tagging me and stuff everywhere. A little quiet last night, weren't you guys? Look, you it. can't even be Georgetown. Can't even be Georgetown. They broke Did your they record. The court? They broke your record of consecutive Big East losses, and you couldn't even keep the streak going. 
Did, did they storm the court in, in Georgetown? I don't think they did, but I think they're working out an extension for Ewing this morning. <laughs> you got to keep him around after that. I mean, he impressed me. After an 81-76 win over DePaul. Oh, even an impressive win, too. They tried to give it away late. DePaul, by the way, for, you know, the, the resurgence of DePaul that we hear about every single November is now 9-12. and 12 and If you're Ewing, you're walking away right now, like on a high note. Like when you hit the last, when you, when you refuse to leave the gym until you hit the jump shot and he goes in. Like this has got to be Ewing, like being like, I'm done now. He has already said, basically, according to multiple people who cover college basketball, that he's he's told people like he knows he's done, like he, he's he's leaving at, at the end of the season. I mean, why coach another game? You just beat DePaul. You I would just the leave. Just, well, yeah, I would have just good. quit last night in yeah. front of the, the the you know the 450 Hoya fans that were in attendance. Just hold those arms up high, walk off. The, maybe cut down the nets. I don't know. Just cut, <laughs> cut the nets down. Wear it around your neck. I mean, get a microphone, like and address everyone. Be like today, I today, thank today. <laughs> Hoya Nation, Nation, Nation. <laughs> the luckiest coach in the history of the Big East. <laughs> All of District Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. Twenty nine consecutive Big East losses. That streak came to an end last night. Oh, they couldn't go for thirty. Man, they won away, one away. <laughs> it's an even number, man. Come on. They now improved to six and fifteen overall, and one and nine in the Big East, and they. Lengthen they the gap. Six wins. They lengthen the gap between <laughs> themselves and us for worst power conference team. I think right now the I, I it's interesting because we celebrated their win over Kentucky so much. The lowest rated power five com, or power six conference team besides us on Ken Palm is actually South Carolina, who is down there at two forty four, still not even within shouting distance of us at two ninety seven. And what's the record? Uh, South Carolina is eight and eleven. This again, this is like the second time now in the last two seconds that you've mentioned this team is so bad. This team's right with us. And they got like six and eight wins. Well, here's the. the we, we, can't even, we can't even snip six wins. Well, the difference is most teams, when they play, like the teams that are you know, from the Atlantic Sun, they got those. Wins. Or the Horizon League, <laughs> which that is aren't why good they're teams, not in our level, man. They win those games. No, and, they are. And we won one of them. And that is why we are in a special group. They are not in our level. We're certainly. They, they claim to be on our level. Well, they don't. They're not on our level. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina also beat Clemson this year and Kentucky <laughs> and Western, which points. anybody can beat Western. We know that. <laughs> well, that's true. We're fine. We're fine. If they beat FAMU, though, before a core of four, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get some thoughts from a you guys. Core of four on the Thornton sax line. Trevor's nailing it. Of course, you're nailing it on the day we have to leave early. A core of four. I'm just going to. I'm going to be like the Smurf. A core of four. Start that cheer at like the Rupp Arena. Nobody knows what you're doing. Core of four. <laughs> A core four. <laughs> Would you like something to drink, sir? A core four. <laughs> He's just practicing. He's not even saying anything. He's not even trying to do a chant. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll read some text. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Wednesday here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Reach for the sky, boy. This is ass, man. This is Jay Briscoe's theme. No, it's not ass, man. It's not reach for the sky. Yeah, yeah, I get, but, but you can't guess they theme. People from Boston. No, it's all right. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware. 
I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not giving Boston no 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 love today. New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, despite how much I love the 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 way they don't use the letter R. I mean, oh, I love it. I lo- you know I've always said that they they drop the R in Boston. And we we've added the words here in Kentucky. We do. You're not wrong about that. I mean, but yeah, the, the let's go party. I've been to Boston twice. I I don't get sick of the accent. People who I live, love it. people who are from the Northeast, like Greer's, like, oh, you trust me, you spend more than a few weeks there, you'll you definitely get sick of it. I'm like, well, I'm spending like four days here. It's great. I want to see that. I want to hear them pronounce everything. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, we want to watch to turn on Mystic River and watch them hear the accent on there. You didn't park the car at Harvard Yard. <laughs> Bleep your mother. <laughs> but I mean, what's your what'd be your favorite accent then? Probably northeastern. Just north now. Now you can't like be, you gotta be specific. I mean, you're talking Boston versus Brooklyn. Yes. Like which one? Boston. Okay. Like I love it. Boston overall. Like uh, what about even like like South American, like the, the Latino uh, twang over that too. I. You're steering into a dangerous territory where I'm very concerned that you're going to start trying to do some of these, and I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and nip that in the bud before we go further down oh, this no, path. Oh no, no, the only one I can do is Boston. All the rest sound exactly the same. I like a good northeastern accent. Yeah, I enjoy a good southern accent. I agree accent. with you. I agree with you. I'm, I'm like northeast. Like now, are you talking just in general, or what about what about on a lady? Like what, what's the what, what, like? Is there an accent you hear and you're like it's. Kind of I don't know. I'm not kind of sexy. Well, Mary has a southern accent, so I feel obligated to say southern. And I agree, southern is well. I mean, we can't help it. We grew up in Louisville. You're going to have kind sure, of a, sure an affinity for southern accents, and I'm with you on that. I do really like the way that the Irish talk too. Like it's Irish is nice. I feel like I got it really down after we were over there. Like I feel like I was doing it. I've kind of lost it a little bit since then, but I always enjoyed like also the terminology. I think I've told the story before, but when we first flew into Dublin, shocker, it was pouring rain. It was like, <laughs> it's- it's pouring rain. Take that stereotypes. I mean, it was. It, it rained so much over it there. It rained when I was in Seattle. Yeah. So, I mean, I know how you feel, yeah. It's, it's not a <laughs> not fake news. They're not just putting that out there to keep huh. people away. But they the rental car place is like a tiny little shack. And, of course, I mean, if everybody who's flying from America to Ireland is going to need to rent a car. Yeah. And so it's just – it's packed. It's, it's loaded. People are, are – there's water everywhere. Everyone's, it's just, it's pure chaos. And the, the poor girl who was, she's probably, I say girl, she's probably like 22, 23 years old. She was young. Yeah. She's trying to, to help us out. She's like sprinting outside. She comes back. She's like soaked wet. And she's like, goodness. She's like, I'm quite swimmed. And I was like, oh, swim. I'm like, I, I love like it. That. I'm using yeah. it now. I'm, I'm taking it. I, that, that's fantastic. When you rented your car, were you like, Tom, like Brad Pitt in the Mexican when he was like, uh, like, can I get something more, uh traditional like an el camino <laughs> when we finally got the car i was so excited to just get, like get out board. there get out of there i was like you can give me whatever you want just get me out of this we've been at this damn place for like three and a half hours uh but it was fun the, the he's like we got a ford dodge he's like really a dodge i got this el camino, el camino. <laughs> i just saw i'm with you the irish is nice too though I don't know. Brooklyn's always got a thing for me too. I always, I don't know. I like accents. Period. The Brooklyn Italian. You're right. Any any accent, just give it to me. Just, yeah, just don't speak normal. Even like <laughs> crazy Midwestern. I like it. Does Midwestern really have an accent? I mean, it depends on where in the Midwest. Like Wisconsin, of course. Well, yeah, I guess Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota. You think of uh, Fargo? Yeah, yeah. I liked. So when I, when I worked, I could pass on Minnesota though. When I worked in Iowa, it was very, it was like Western Iowa, Northwestern. I was close to like South Dakota, and Minnesota. And so you had – that accent was more what you hear in, like, Fargo than it was, like, Illinois, like, nasally Michigan, like, stuff like that. And the thing that I loved more than anything is they always – they would start their questions with the word say. Like, 
<laughs> we had like I was working at the news desk, and like the woman behind me who was adorable, she was awesome. But she was like, she'd be like, "Hey, this is Annie from the the Daily Times Herald. Say, have you ever heard?" And like every it time, she, like Fargo. Though. Every time she said it, I would laugh, and they would be like, well, "Why do you think that's so funny?" I'm like, "Because you just." It's a, it's a word like I, I've never asked a question and started the the sentence with say and they probably have no idea they're doing it as and they well. do it every single time and also say when you were I'm like oh my god this is incredible like just keep just talk forever I just I, I love it does, does they have I'm trying to think, it's not really is there really an accent for like California Florida like those two states like they're such melting pots California they just talk like this well, like, yeah, everything yeah, just sort of slurs just sort of slurs together I see you at the Galleria oh, I think it was like the the Californians <laughs> from uh, SNL, like those skit. Sturt, Sturt, take the <laughs> down Sunset Malibu. Like that's, I can't do it, but that's that's what uh, I think of. That's not, I thought I'd just lived off stereotypes from movies. <laughs> that's, well, that's, I've been to Cal, or I've, I've had friends from California who've talked that way. And so okay. I just, I choose to view it as accurate. The, the thing that, like, the thing that always like stuck out to me most is when it comes to accents is when I went to, C- I was in Seattle, and I think I may have told the story, but like we go in to get something to eat somewhere, me and my buddy. I've never like thought of myself of having a southern accent. I mean, I, I don't Same, know if you yeah. do. Yeah, and and, and maybe but people will say you do. Oh, I mean, yeah. the first part, the girl's kind of cute. I mean, I you know at the time, you know, this is also twenty five years ago almost. And we walk in there, and I, I can't remember what I ordered, and she's looked. I just never heard her looking and go, "You you you guys aren't from around here, are you?" Yeah, we're like, no, no. She's like, Tennessee. I'm like, first of all, bleep you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> But apparently, the southern accent was very noticeable in the Northwest. It's us. it's subtle, but it does. I, I, every now and then, because people will tell me that I say certain things with like the accent comes out on certain Even things. Even when I tell that story, I, I try not to throw in y'all from her version because I yeah. know that's something I would say and she didn't. But I've also had the opposite where I've like when I was living in Iowa, I told a girl who was in the same like apartment complex we we're just talking, and she's like, "You know, where are you from?" And I said. Kentucky, and she was like, "You don't have an accent, though." She had, she had known someone. She'd met some guy from like Morehead or Murray or something very on thick, yeah. Who had like a very, and she's like, "You don't." Say, I was like, "Oh yeah, I, 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 it's, did, it's a did, little bit different." Did you get the people in Iowa asking, "Why well, are you wearing shoes?" Yeah, the, the jokes. Yeah, they, I never. They, they, I had friends that lived in Columbus and Northern Ohio that would say, "I'm like, dude, you ever Ohio's not you're as much farmland as I am." Now, real quickly, I just saw this during the break. Okay, a I guy know. we both I think. Enjoy very much appreciate his work, John Lewis. WDRB. Oh, yeah, I love John. Stepping away from the industry, he's uh, he's no. taking another job. He's leaving WDRB on February sixth to accept a job in the quote unquote real world as a um, uh, in public relations. Okay, I've worked with John. He did uh, some radio shows with me with Handsome Jimmy with uh, Greg Brom for a while as well. Uh, Matt Hobbs, I don't remember him. WHS, he did some stuff with him as well too with us uh, before he went back to WDRB. So I love John. The, one of the only real true Seattle Seahawks fans I know. Very funny guy. Huge Seahawks fan, even though he hated, uh, hates Pete Carroll. But, he does? Uh, he's not a big Pete Carroll guy. Interesting. Uh, but, he's, uh, but he is a big Seahawks guy. And I did not know that. I had, I had to reach out to him and say something. Best of luck to John. Oh, yeah. All the luck. John's a great guy. Because they had to cut some some loose ends to make way for Eric Crawford's massive contract. No, he- <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking, Eric. I guess Rick wanted a new grill. I guess, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess Bo just wanted the the new Lambo. <laughs> got to do what they got to do. Keep those two happy. They're just they're running that show with a whip. They're just cracking the whip whenever they want to over there at DRB, <laughs> making everybody just fall to whatever they want to do. I'm just joking. Eric needed those gold slippers. Crawford needs some new grills. <laughs> 
I guess because Rook's getting that ivory back scratcher this year. <laughs> Did you see? Um, I I don't mean to turn this into a criticism, but since we're on the topic. I, I, I did read Bozich had a column yesterday after <laughs> with the great headline. Yes, we we, <laughs> yeah. we read the headline on air because it popped up while we were on air, and didn't it, read the article. But yeah, it was like Louisville has a passing problem. Like, okay. <laughs> the headline. No, the headline was why can't Louisville pass the basketball? I like like the the, the cards have given up this season. I think Rick's given up on creativity. He's just like you know what? Again, writers don't do the headlines. Here it is. Writers don't do the headlines. <laughs> I do on on our site, but. When you have an editor, the editor does the headlines. So that's a very that's a, it's, a, it's an excellent skill to do a good, clever headline. Well, now it's not even about being clever; it's about getting enough SEO words in the title that you get search engine like priority. Like that's uh, what it's all about. Or I was going to say words that are like that grab you that, that that are vague but make you want to click on it or something. Something, but it's more about the keywords. It's it, and you can do the thing now where this is way too inside baseball. You have the official headline that like goes to the search engines and yeah. it has like Louisville versus Kentucky final score odds predictions. Like so, you just get all those keywords in there, but you can make it so the headline that shows up when you share it on social media and on the actual website is something different. Like we can do that on Card Chronicle where it's like. If you want to do something clickbaity, like what's the the craziest Louisville Kentucky finish ever, or something like that, you can make yeah. that happen as well. But th- out of all the things that I sucked at as a professional uh, over the years, which is is a lengthy list, the worst was coming up with headlines when I was doing the the college basketball editor at SPNation.com. Because <laughs> even though I ran the college basketball stuff, someone would have to edit my pieces, and they would want the titles to be like shareable and great for Google Im- Google uh, searches. And all that stuff, and I would always throw out like my ideas first, and like, it was always just like you Shut can't. Down. Did they ever, did they ever go with one? I think one time, <laughs> and it was the headline. It was something about the ACC being a fraud when they were bad in the ACC tournament, and people hated it. People were like, "It's so click," and I couldn't even be like, "Oh, I didn't pick the title," but because it, it was the one time that I did. Um, but every, like I usually was just so they would just like be like, "Okay, well, let's, we're going to workshop this a little bit." And we'll get, they would always give me like four choices, and I would like that was the. What you would? I'd love to. I'd like to try a job. Just sit around, and just just make headlines for articles. Well, that's not cool. the that's not the only part of the job. <laughs> no, that's the only part I want. Well, Wait, um, do I have to read the article too? Yeah, you typically edit it, and yeah, then the headline's <laughs> the last part. That's the, that's the the last part. But Bozich, the headline was "Why can't Louisville pass the basketball?" Which was <laughs> it's a it's an understandable dive into the fact that Louisville right now ranks dead last in Division One basketball and assist. Uh, they, they average 8.7 assists per game. That is insanely terrible. It's the worst out of the 363 teams in D1. But that's wonder, a fine premise for a story. I wonder how many individual people average more assists than we do as a team uh, in the game. Not many. That's that's a high number. Eight. Uh, 8.7 is yeah very high. The, what the, the issue that I have, and, and I, I I I like Rick. I do. The way that he starts this off is. I didn't need to call Woodward or Bernstein to find evidence that the serious decline of the University of Louisville basketball program began two seasons before Kenny Payne took control of the Cardinals. I found it on page 159 of the team's media guide. It has come to pass that the Cardinals cannot pass. And he goes on to talk about how the steady decline in assists started two seasons ago. Chris Mack's uh, second-to-last team continued last year. What he doesn't include until later is that as, as bad as those teams were at sharing the ball, they still were averaging more than three full assists per game those two seasons than they are right now. And their assist-to-turnover ratios were not the absolute nightmare that they are right now, which is, again, the worst that we've ever seen from a power conference team in the history of college basketball. So saying that, like, it's not all Kenny Payne's fault. This is the you know, it started two years ago. They actually they were really bad too. At they were really bad. They weren't historically bad. 
Yeah. It's it, th- there's a difference here. We were bad last year. We weren't historically bad. Well, we thought we were maybe. But. So yeah, if you wanted to dive into why this team is just again awful at a historic rate when it comes to both turnovers and assists, that's a fine premise. But don't start it off both being like this actually started a few years ago. We know that the teams the last couple of years haven't been great. They haven't made the NCAA tournament. That's not up to our standards. But they also weren't two and seventeen and dead last in the entire country in in turnover rate and assist rate, which is incredible to be at a program like this and be last in those two categories so the stats the the quotes it was it was fine but like i didn't the whole like starting premise i'm like that has nothing to do with with what's happening right here there's two people by the way average more system we do as a team two i, I said it wasn't gonna be many yuri collins of st louis and uh marquez noel of kansas state marquez noel is, is really good he played well last night they got beat as we i think we both predicted i think we both took iowa state um to win that game hilton magic I was kind of hoping it'd be zero, but we need to be two. <laughs> Riding high again. Yeah, so that's... They probably average less turnovers than we do as well. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can also talk a little bit in the next hour about Pat Forty's column if you want to. I, I didn't get a chance to read it yesterday before the show. I read it today. Was it the headline, Louisville can't stop turning the ball over? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was about... You could tell he started writing it before Kentucky got on this hot streak. It was more about the woe, woes of basketball in the bluegrass state and the last time that no team from Kentucky made the NCAA tournament and all this stuff. And it does, it it focuses more heavily on Louisville for obvious reasons, but there is some Kentucky stuff in there, but we can talk about some of the quotes that were out there from that story and how it pertains to some of the things that we've talked about uh, this week. We're also getting ready again, Louisville Boston college tonight, nine o'clock tip off. If you can't make it over to the ACC network for whatever reason, you can always catch all the action on your new home for Cardinal athletics, nine seventy WGTK. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll come back. You on here tonight, by the way. Say what? We got IU on these railways. Who did they play? Uh, I don't remember. It's an eight o'clock tip off, or yeah, eight o'clock. Yeah, eight o'clock tip off. I believe the most. No, eight o'clock pregame, nine o'clock tip off. Minnesota on the road. Yeah, they got the late game too. Yeah. Are you? What what time are you trying to get out here? Uh, I'm probably gonna head out here just after this break. Okay, I didn't know if you were gonna make it four thirty or not. Do you want to make a quick prediction for tonight's game then before you get out of here? I do. I do. Um, Pain. Okay. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm gonna. I'm going. I think we the, tonight's the three. Tonight, tonight we get the three. Louisville gets it done. Uh, I'm gonna watch. You just said you weren't confident at all, like 40 minutes ago. I didn't say I was confident. I can still I can predict it. <laughs> okay. okay. You, you, you were all over the place. You know how many times I predicted going home from someone with the, a, going home to a bar and leaving with somebody, and yet I didn't do it. You were all over <laughs> the place with this game. I know. Uh, just like Louisville's passing. Um, Louisville wins tonight by four. Okay, there it is. You got you got that guy. Yep, it's not a, not a TK points. guarantee. You got, you got the butt. You got the bet. Uh, He's not making the bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a TK guarantee, but it's a, a guarantee. it is a TK prediction. He's it's taking TK. Louisville over Boston College tonight. Third one of the season. It's coming. The Acora Four era starts off with a one and zero. Acora Four. He nailed it. Acora Four. He's going Acora out on that note. Four. Cora four. He's off to Lexington, folks. He's off to taking some wrestling. We'll see TK again tomorrow. We'll hear all of his thoughts from AEW and what hopefully will be a Louisville win over Boston College. A core four. I'll be right here. Gary's going to be in the the producer seat. We'll take it down for these next two hours. Hit us up at 502-414-1450. Rutherford Show rolls on next after this. Reach for the sky, boy.
Dusty Rhodes for Wednesday. All right, all right. That's Trevor. I don't know what he's doing right now. He's he's, he's he's dancing. He's happy to be gone. He's making me feel awkward. He's out of breath now. He's going to Rupp Arena. He's 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 almost dying in the studio. He's out of breath. Time for a cigarette. It's it's time for him to have a cigarette <laughs> and prepare for his trip to Rupp Arena. TK is out. Uh, welcome back into the Mike Rutherford Show uh, again. TK going to Rupp Arena for AEW tonight. He'll be watching the Louisville game on delay. We wish him the best of luck. We hope that he wears the Cardinal gear that we talked about at the beginning of the show. We'll see if he makes it out alive or if he just has to deal with a bunch of 2-17 and 17 insults or whatever. He's, he's going to have a good time regardless. we got Gary now uh, back here producing the show. Gary, how are you? I'm good. Can't complain. How have the last few weeks been? We haven't seen you in a while. Uh, everything's been going good, you know. 2023 is off to a good start? What's that? 2023 off to a good start? E- yeah, sort of. Kind of, sort of. I don't like that hesitation. You know. Uh, no, no, everything's going fine at work. <laughs> Are you? Uh, do you have dogs, Gary, or have you had dogs? I have had dogs. Love dogs. I wish I had another one, but the last dog I had uh, about a year and a half ago, we had to had to put her down. Oh, it's but the worst. We had never had a dachshund before. Ooh! And my niece had a little dachshund named Lucy, and my niece ended up having two children, and and the dachshund was just too much. So we already had four cats and we adopted Lucy, the dachshund and dachshunds and cats don't normally get along. Yes. Anybody's ever, but, but Lucy ended up uh, getting along with the cats. It only took nine months. Good Lord. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but we had a Berlin wall up between the living room and the dining room. We had a, a piece of plywood that we would put up because Lucy can, you know, they've got those little bitty legs. They can't jump very high. Did you ever get the sense that your dogs could sense your emotions? Like they reacted yes. differently when you were straight. I always thought the same thing. There are stories of, you know, therapy dogs that can sense when their owners are about to have seizures or tremors. Turns out there's a new study that confirms all this that says dogs, this is a little feel good story of the day. Dogs can sense how you're feeling and they react accordingly. If you've insisted your canine companion can tell when you're upset, even without any external indication of your emotions, you've got science to back it up now. Research suggests that dogs can pick up on human stress by using the strongest tool they have, their sense of smell. Is that right? A September study out of the UK tested whether four pet dogs named Trio, Fingal, Suit and Winnie, big suit fan, could detect stress hormones in sweat and breath samples taken from 36 humans. And I've also heard that the dogs can detect how long you've been gone when you leave them alone by their sense of smell, by your smell slowly fading away. Really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of yeah. cool. And you've had dogs too, right? Yes. We have a, we have Penny now we've had, uh, had, I grew up with dogs. I don't think there's ever been a time where I haven't had a dog. Did you, did when, when I was growing up and I had a, a toy Fox terrier, he always knew the sound of the bus in the afternoon when I'd come home from school. Yeah, I mean, dogs pick up on stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Jingle of keys, jingle, yeah, it's 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 a bunch of stuff. But apparently in this study, in 675 out of 720 trials, so a very high percentage, the dogs were able to differentiate the stress samples from the baseline samples. The The person who put on the, who's the author of the study said, the study has definitively proven that people, when they have a stress response, their odor profile changes. 
it was pretty amazing to see that the dogs could be so confident in telling me, nope, those two things definitely smell different. So there you go. When, yeah. If you're stressed, your dog can pick it up on it. We've been thinking about getting another dog, a dachshund. She wants another dachshund. She, she loved that dog. Did you, I did too. So did you grow up with big dogs or little dogs? Both. So we had, my wife and I, she grew up with, with little dogs. She had the little Bichons, uh, kind of yappy dogs. And I grew up with with big dogs. I had we had Irish setters. We had a bulldog for a brief period, uh, but we had a black lab when I was younger. We had uh, a couple of of mixes, but they were always bigger dogs. So we had to come to some sort of you know. She wanted the little dogs. I wanted the big dogs. I grew up with female dogs. She grew up with male dogs. So we had to come to some sort of truce, and we ended up getting a rescue. Penny, who is a medium size, she's about a little bit over thirty pounds. Uh, she is a female dog. I won on that one, but she's a a, a mix. We went to the Humane Society to get her. And it wasn't like, you know, when you talk about rescuing dogs, you have these great stories of, you know, she, she crept out and she was so scared and she, <laughs> yeah. she walked right over to us and curled up. And we knew that was the one we'd seen her picture. We thought she was cute. We went and looked at her. She's biting the hell out of us immediately, like all over us going nuts. The worst behaved dog you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life. And we both kind of looked at each other like, I mean, we came here like saying we're going to see how she is, but we're not going to go home without the dog. Now, we've basically already decided in our minds that we're going to get her, and that's exactly what wound up happening. We, we, we brought her home. She's been a good dog. She's, she definitely is not the most well-behaved dog in the world. We've done the best we can, but it was not a, a Hollywood story of adoption. <laughs> so just beware. Did you have to take her to obedience school? We tried. Oh, you did? We did. We dropped out. Really? She did fine, but at a certain point, it was like they weren't really teaching the kind of problems that she had. Like, she's really, she, I, well, I'll say this for Penny. She's great about, like, she's never chewed anything of ours. She came here, she was very easy to potty train. She had like one pee. I don't think she's ever pooped in the house, which is amazing. We got her when she very was important, like yeah. three months old. She's never chewed up anything of ours intentionally. She always just inherently knew the difference between her toys and what not to have. But she's been. She's not great with other people. We tried to, we probably didn't socialize her enough when we first got her, but she's been good with the kids. We were worried about that when we had kids. We did all, all the tricks where it was like play baby cries from the computer or your phone and then give her treats, you know, take her into the nursery and give her treats there before the baby comes and send the blanket from the hospital home so she can get acquainted with the smell. And she's done pretty well, but she's still not, she's not good with other dogs. She's not really great with, with people she doesn't know. And that's, that's, that's the biggest issue with Penny. But the, the other stuff, the, the the class was more about like, can she sit and take a treat? And we're like, yeah, she can do all this already. So we went to like five of the classes and we're like, we're not, this is this is not helping us with the, pay, the problems that we have. Yeah, we, we went to obedience school too. We're and, obedience school and, dropouts. And so are we. We found out that dachshunds <laughs> are absolutely the hardest breed to train. I believe it. They are so hard headed. But once you get them trained, you know, they'll obey you. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line number. If you've got thoughts, uh, hit us up. We're going to talk a little bit more about tonight's game against Boston College. We're getting some thoughts, too. I want We mentioned Rick Bosich's column in the first hour. I do want to talk a little bit about what Pat Forty wrote uh, for Sports Illustrated, the state of basketball in the state of Kentucky, which was a piece that was probably conceived a couple of weeks ago when Kentucky was struggling and didn't really have the same oomph. A few weeks later, now that Kentucky has won, what, four in a row and looked pretty damn good last night from from what I heard against Vanderbilt. But we'll take some text. We've neglected the text line up to this point. 502-414-1450. Texter says, wasn't the infamous Chris Mack game where he called the players bleeping bleeps, I can't see either, either, either one of those words, 
to Luke Murray. I think they're talking about the Boston College game. The game that I think he got caught saying that was, because he said some variation of that a ton, but I actually think it was really early on in his first season. It was one of the games where we played well, but lost to Tennessee and Brooklyn, I want to say. We lost to Tennessee and then Marquette two days later. And I think the camera caught him say saying we're bleeping effing peas to, to Luke Murray on the bench. I think that's exactly what happened. But there were a couple other games where there was another one where I, it may have been the Boston College game where he was like, these guys are so bleeping soft, man. And the camera picked up. That was the big Chris Mack theme. If you're getting tired of, you know, Kenny Payne talking about culture, 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 the original getting tired of phrase that people had for Louisville basketball was people was Chris Mack talking about you know, toughness. And granted, it happened in an overachieving first season where Louisville wound up making the NCAA tournament as a seven seed. But when things started going a little bit sour in February and March of that year, I think a lot of people got tired of hearing you know, Mac respond to criticisms or respond to questions about what specifically was going wrong with just, we got to get tougher. We got to get tougher players. It was like, okay, like, give us some more specifics. But hey, I think all of us would kill for those prog- problems at this point. Texture says it shows how sad of shape this program is in when at this time of the season, the talking point is whether or not the guy, a guy, a new guy is going to play. Well, it is. I, I don't know what you, I mean, there's nothing sexy about 2-17 and 17 Louisville taking on 9-11 and 11 Boston College at 9 p.m. on a Wednesday in late January. There's not. And if you're a Louisville fan, outside of the, the tired storyline of, hey, are they finally going to win a conference game? Is it going to be 0-9 or is it going to be 1-8? Is it going to be nine straight losses for the second time this year? Or finally our first win of the calendar year? Outside of that just baseline story, the biggest most intriguing part of tonight's game is whether or not we're going to see Emmanuel Okor for. I won't try and lie to you. I mean, some other people are going, I've watched the highlights. I've done as much due diligence as I can when it comes to this kid and trying to be as well-informed as I can about what he can do and and what he can't do. And I'll be perfectly honest. I've got no idea how good he is. None, None whatsoever. I can tell you he looks like a big time college player physically. He looks like a guy as, as Kenny Payne has said many times, who is playing against grown men who should not have an issue physically adjusting to life in the ACC. But skill-wise, skill level, i got no idea how he's going to fit into major college basketball. Maybe he comes out tonight and doesn't play at all. Maybe he comes out tonight, sets the world on fire, goes for 25-10. and 10. Maybe he comes out and, again, looks like Stanley from the office. Just, just can't do anything right. I've got no idea. But I'm intrigued. If we had any new player, I don't care what the background is, if we added anybody who was being talked about positively by the head coach, it'd be more interesting than what we have to talk about, what we've had to talk about for the last month, which is the same tired storylines that I just laid out. But there's no question that that Emmanuel Okorafor is the big draw tonight. Is he going to play? Is he going to have an impact? How good is he? What can he do this season? What can he do future seasons? That's what I'm most excited about. Texture says, oh, God. It's a picture of Trevor. Hey, wait, I get it. Okorafor, it's him understanding a pronunciation. If you didn't know this, Gary, we had, people thought that he was joking. And I, I, I can assure you, this was not an act. It was not a bit for the radio show. Trevor cannot pronounce this young man's name. It's, it's Okorafor. And he would sit there saying, Okorafor. Uh, and he, just, he could not do it, because he could not pronounce it. And today, something finally clicked. The synapses are finally firing. 
He's he's got it down. Tomorrow, I've got no idea if he's going to be able to maintain <laughs> that. A core of four. That seems simple enough. A core of four, you right? Think, you think somebody like there was a teacher who's like a speech pathologist who texted in the text line and had like a picture of an oak tree and it was like <laughs> plus an apple core picture and then it was like and then it was like uh and then the number four and he's like just see if this helps see if we we'll do whatever we can to make this radio stop and it didn't it, it didn't really help but today he just got it everybody has certain words that they can't pronounce correctly we talked about that he was like do you have yours and i was like i know i do i couldn't think of any off the top of my head but i know that there are some words that i just mess up flub yeah. up every single time there was a cbs sportscaster that used to say palacious all the time it used to drive me crazy it was Vern lundquist <laughs> Vern lundquist yeah he, and one of the best in the business palacious palacious but he would do that with like he messed up a lot of names like, yeah <laughs> it, it, and it was one of those where like can you not say it or are you just not looking at your pronunciation guide because i know it's right in front of you i know you've got the notes i know that you know the way that it's laid out semantically is not palacious it's palacios <laughs> Kenny Klein's the best in the business. He's not going to mess that up. Uh, but he always did it. But at least uh, Vern was in the, uh, an Adam Sandler movie. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Still the best thing he ever did. And Bob Barker, too. I remember he get, he got asked the question one time, because Vern is still he's still kicking, but he's he, he's up there. He's not, he's not visible anymore. But he got asked the question fairly recently about how often do you get asked about happy gilmore and he's like all the bleeping time he's like he's like all the time he's like i i never thought that my five minutes in this movie was going to be something that people followed around uh for the rest of my life but it, it absolutely is and they say that bob barker's uh, price is right became real popular with college age kids after his appearance in that movie they really yeah i love it he's great in that movie too <laughs> price is wrong <laughs> texas says, i'm going to be a unc fan this year just so i know what it feels like to get both a home and a road whistle that's one way to make it happen. Again, if you watch that game last night, a couple of the calls late that Syracuse fans were upset about I thought were more iffy. There was one call that totally swung the game. I think it was Jesse Edwards, the Syracuse big man, who's been really good this year. It's the most obvious blocking foul call of all time. And Syracuse is down one. Edwards makes the shot. The whole carrier dome goes nuts. It looks like Hughes is going to be up one with Edwards shooting a free throw to go up two. And there's, I think, like, a little bit over four minutes to go at this game, maybe a little bit under four, under four. And they call without hesitation a charge. And it just, it blows your mind. Carolina comes down, they draw a foul. Uh, I think it was actually, they, they draw the fourth foul on Edwards, who winds up fouling out of the game a couple minutes later. They score a, a moment later. They, they seize the momentum back completely. And it just totally changed the, the, the complexion of the game. And that's what, that's the call that Carolina just always seems to get in this league, especially when they're in a situation like they were last night, especially when they're in a situation like they were last year when they came to the KFC Yum Center, where they've got far more to both gain and lose in their opponents. It seems like the ACC looks out for them. And I'm not going to lie, it's very annoying. Texas says people born and raised in Louisville really have accents. Yeah, they do. They, we, we definitely do. It's just a little bit more, it's certainly more subtle than I think places just south and just north of us. Oh, yeah. But there are certain words. Like when I say like just now, I was saying fired. And I kind of said like far. Like, 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 every now and then you pick up on stuff like that. And Washington. War, my, my wife is from Washington County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Springfield. Springfield. County seat. Exactly right. SPG. Uh, but we, we definitely have accents. We just don't pick up on them. And they're, they're certainly not as easy to detect as 
you know, if you go a little bit north to northern Ohio or a little bit south to southern Kentucky or Tennessee. I went in uh, to Madison, Wisconsin on vacation a few years ago, and I, and I felt like that I was in the uh, the Fargo movie. They had that, yeah. they had the same kind of accent that they do in the movie Fargo. I was we were just talking about Fargo because this came up in the first hour, and I was talking about I worked in Western Iowa for a summer in a newspaper, and they all very much it's close to Minnesota. The Vikings are the big team around there. And they always started every question with the word say. And I loved it. They'd be like, this is uh, Jesse from the Carol Tiley Teams Herald. And say, I just had a really quick qu-. I'm like, it was adorable. I-, I loved it. I thought it was so cool, just the different uh, language. But it is funny when you go up north, when, when you go with my wife, who's from Springfield. It's about an hour and 15 minutes south of here. And she's definitely got more of a, a twang. It's more subtle now. I mean, she's lived in Louisville for more than half of her life. She came here for college. She stayed here ever since. So she, I think some of it, I feel like it's not as thick as it was when I first met her when I was, we were 22, but it's still there. And so when we go to like Chicago or go somewhere up north, people, she gets a lot of, are you from Texas? And it's always <laughs> Texas every time we go somewhere. But the crazy thing was we went to Italy and we met up with a friend of mine was a, a diplomat in Rome, which was awesome because we got to stay with her and she got to show us around. It was very cool. But she had diplomat friends that were from America, but had been in Italy forever and spoke all these different languages. And they all thought that I had more of a Southern accent than, than Mary did, wow. which I was just like, what? And they're like, I see it. I hear more in you. I'm like, this is, you've been in Italy for too long. Get back to America where we know our accent. Well, when you go within 200 or outside of 200 miles of Louisville, then don't say Louisville, say Louisville. Exactly. Because when I lived up in South Bend, they go, where are you from? Louisville. What? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Louisville. That's Louisville. And so, yeah, so that was my nickname. Hey, what's happening, Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> she does the thing, too, the difference between Mary and I, when we, whenever we're, even like in Italy, when we would run into Americans and they say, you know, where are you from? She would always say Kentucky. And I would always just like cringe because I'm so used to saying, I would always make it a point to say I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Like just, you know, if I have to say Kentucky, I will, but I want to let you know, like I'm, I'm from Louisville. And she would always just say Kentucky and I would be like, Louisville. <laughs> we're from Louisville. Like these, these people are from California, they don't care at all. Like they, they are Kentucky. It's, it's all the same to them. But I'm just like, no, we, we don't. We, we don't say Kentucky. My wife's a retired uh, French teacher, and w- we went to France. And whenever she talks in French, she puts uh, an emphasis on the accent because she says if you if you speak the French words like you're from uh, the United States, like you're from Kentucky, you sound like you're from Kentucky. That makes sense. Yeah. And so in, in her class, she made all of her students and stuff use the, use the French accent. And then people assume since I married a French teacher, at the radio station one day, we had some people from, uh, overseas France come in and they called me up to, <laughs> they said, Hey, these people only speak French. Can you talk to them? Oh no. Nope. Je m'appelle Gary. <laughs> uh, Chef Boyardee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's Italian. <laughs> Did you see the clip recently where they're, it was, I think, from Miss Universe, they're all introducing themselves, and you know they're supposed to be very bombastic, and it's, you know, they're like, Algeria, Israel, and then the French one was like, France. It's, <laughs> it's very, very, I'm not doing it justice, but if you haven't seen it, it's very funny. It's worth the, it's like a two-minute buildup to the one, the, the brief millisecond punchline, but it's, it's worth it. She's very funny. <laughs> the way she says it is hilarious. Uh, I'm seeing that uh, Peyton Steven, by the way, back in town, I know he's been attending some L games. He was at the women's game over the weekend was attending a North Harden basketball game. Love that guy. Very much hoping he can bring some some good luck if he's going to be attending the home games next week. We got a little bit of a road swing here, 
playing tonight in Chestnut Hill and then on Saturday um, at uh, at Notre Dame. But hopefully we can get Peyton back at the home games. He's going to be here. I'm sure he'll be here for the, the reunion for the 2013 team next month when we play Clemson. I've seen the rumor going around that there's going to be some sort of, like, not a 2013 banner, but some sort of banner reflecting the 2013 run that's going to be unveiled. I hope that's the, the, the case because people keep asking me, and my understanding this whole time has been they're going to honor the team. They're going to have a celebration, but I've not been told there's going to be any sort of like banner involved. I, I think it would be cool. I think the, the fans all want to see the banner. I hope that they can, if, if this is the route that they're choosing to go, I hope that it can be something that's, I guess, pleasing enough for the fans. Because my, my concern is you say, you tell a crowd of people who don't know what's happening, now please direct your attention to the rafters, and, and they're all going to assume that the banner that's going to come down is going to say 2013 NCAA champions. And if it's something like that's overly vague and not at all cool, like they, people are going to be a little bit, if it's like, you know, coolest team ever, 2013 or something, people may be like, okay, well, what are we doing here? Although they, they may the, cheer it. I'd like that. With a sponsorship logo at the bottom. <laughs> something like that. I mean, I, I would like to see a banner go up there, but I hope that it's something that we can all approve of and appreciate. I, I mean, even if it is something like, you know, team that won 35 games, team that won the last game on April 8th, 2013, <laughs> you know, something that acknowledges the fact that we won that championship. I know we've got the the Luke Hancock Most Outstanding Player banner up there, which is a nice little subtle nod to the fact that they don't give most outstanding player awards to teams that don't win the national title. So we had one of those in 2013. You can do the math on your own. But if they do have a, a banner unveiling, I hope that it's something that that doesn't like lead to a huge just kind of letdown when they when they because people are going to think if you say that that what they're going to see is going to say 2013 NCAA champion. And if it's something other than that, it needs to be something that's properly reflective of the fact that it's acknowledging that that championship without actually doing so. And Josh Hurd has straight up said, you know, we're going to have to work within the parameters that, that we're dealt with here. Like we're going to have to get a little bit, I don't think he used this phrasing exactly, but we're going to have to get a little bit crafty in terms of how we're allowed to talk about the 2013 team without explicitly saying the team that won the national championship because that is part of the the punishment is you're not allowed to make any direct reference to being the 2013 national champion but hopefully they can they can do something that acknowledges it without directly acknowledging it we'll see uh 502-414-1450 that is the thornton's tax line texter says i'm from southern kentucky and i went to chicago for grad school i said what are y'all doing this afternoon to my classmates and they found it hilarious they also played achy breaky heart every time we went out to mock Kentucky. You don't say y'all up there. You say you guys. you guys. I learned that real quick. So I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I went to Dayton and Dayton is like 45% people from Chicago. Like Chicago, you know, obviously a big, like Louisville, Catholic city. Dayton's a, it's Marianist College, but it's it's basically a Catholic school, and it's close enough to to Chicago that you have a lot of people migrate from that city, and so a lot of my closest friends at Dayton were Chicago guys, and it was very much like you know kind of a cult. Like they had a funny way of talking, and be like, "Hey, my guy, hey, I'm from Shy Guy. I mean, yo, come on, my guy, look at look at Ronnie over here. What's what's he doing? What's he doing?" And it, you do kind of pick up on that, and then they just make fun of the way that you talk. But we had a whole lot of the, the standard debate about you know. Is it pop? Is it soda? Is it Coke? Is it, you know, is, is it toboggan? Is it, you know, ski at whatever it was? They said 
Oregon, which is ridiculous. It's Oregon. Uh, and they're like, you guys always talk like there's just mumbled bleep in your mouth. I'm like, well, it's Louisville, Oregon. What do you want me to say? That's the way that it's, it's how language works. I can't get over the achy breaky heart. What a, what a song to have to hear all the time. They thought it was very funny that we had rappers from Louisville because this is Chicago produces a ton of rappers. Kanye West had just gotten really popular. He was coming out with his debut album. We played them the Get Down Clicks Louisville song that was popular around here in like 1999. They thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard in their entire life. And we would play it every night before we went out to like the 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 student housing, uh, the, 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 the formerly known as the ghetto, for parties and stuff. And they thought, it, they still, to this day, we'll bring up, they're like, you guys playing Get Down Click? Still waiting, the whole country's still waiting for that album to drop. I'm like, they are, they are. Don't, don't mock the Get Down Click. It's a great song. Um, Texas says, when I was in my high, high school scout trip, uh, we took a trip to Canada to backpack and hike. There were some girls our age in campsite. We stayed at one night and we started talking to them. As soon as we mentioned being from Kentucky, their eyes went directly to our feet and they were genuinely shocked that we all had shoes on. Is that a real thing that people believe though? Yes, it is. I know it comes up all the time, but like. I dated a girl from Michigan and she was asking about my parents and where they lived. And uh, she asked me, she said, do your parents, um, she, and she was serious too. Is your washing machine on the front porch? <sighs> no. See, Not I said, no, that's for the lazy boy in the couch, <laughs> but no, they, they really do think that I've heard a lot of people say that. And they, they, they just have this preconceived notion that, uh, you know, we all have dirt floors and but like, you know, we're from. A proper city. We're from sure. the biggest city in the state, one of the, the top 50, I guess, population-wise cities in America. And, and we have an orchestra. We do. We have. They're playing a Mammoth Cave with Yo-Yo Ma, for God's sake, coming up here in, in, in the spring. I never think about other parts of the state or, like, rural Mississippi as, like, you guys never wear shoes. I know that shoes exist in other parts of the, the, the country outside of big cities. I, I would never go to, you know— some random city in Alabama and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe that you guys wear shoes down here. I would never go to Birmingham and be like, I'm amazed that there are buildings here and, and restaurants. You guys have your own McDonald's. That's great. You guys are doing fantastic. I think it's just a weird mentality. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked when I go to other places and they're like, the shoe thing has become a legit stereotype. That's not just a, something that people said back in the 1940s, but whatever. Man, yeah, yeah. You're from Alabama, huh? You don't have a banjo on your knee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I know Trevor lives his life through all of his perceptions, all of his conceptions about the world are, are based on movies and television. He admits as much, <laughs> but not everybody else is like that. Like we, we should know that, that most parts of the world <laughs> we wear proper clothes and we're not strumming banjos at all hours of the day. It's just it's right. not the way it goes. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys at 502-414-1450. It's the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X.
Trevor always plays this when we have a wrestling theme. It always gets stuck in my head after that. Like the rest of the day, I'm just gonna be like, oh. Tarzan Boy. It's a good song. Baltimore. I don't hate it. TK is playing uh, WWE, or not WWE songs, but wrestling overall songs, professional wrestling, because he's headed up to over to Lexington this night to take in AEW live from Rep Arena. It's like Christmas for him, isn't it? He's very, I haven't seen him this excited in a long time. He's <laughs> yeah, very, he very excited today. He splurged on, you know, big tickets. He's going to be visible if you want to watch the show. You know, if, if if the Louisville basketball game gets out of hand because we're winning by so much tonight and you flip over to <laughs> AEW, you know, Emmanuel Okorafor has got 45 points. And you're like, let's see if I can find TK. He should be on TV. Like, he's got the, the seats that should be visible on the camera when they have that standard ringside view. So he's he's debating about whether he wants to wear a, a wrestling shirt or a UFL shirt because it's at Rupp Arena. We'll see what he chooses. Hopefully he chooses the right thing. And then we'll find out. Uh, you know, Maybe he'll, he'll give a shout to the big X. Maybe he'll throw the X up on, on TV tonight. That's what's going to happen. But he is he's ventured out there, so Gary is is handling the show, the production of the show. And we're hearing from you guys at 502-414-1450 as we continue to get ready for tonight's game against Boston College. Wednesday night, I, I keep trying to, like, I know it's a game that Louisville can win. And I know it's a game where we have a, a new player. And I know that both of those things are, I mean, exciting feels like too strong of a word. But I just can't, and I'm going to try in, 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 this, in the next hour, but I just can't get myself to the point where I'm like, here we go. Let's get it going. Two and seventeen Louisville versus nine and eleven Boston College. Every time you say it out loud, it's just a reminder of this bizarre, crazy ass season that we're in the middle of. That I still am trying to figure out how to talk about in terms of other than it's never been this bad. What do we do with the coach? Like all that stuff. It just it doesn't feel. I'm cheering for the guys. I really would love for them to win tonight. I'd love for them to win a couple out of these next four. Get some momentum going. But it's just hard to talk about it like it's a a standard ACC game. This is a, a team in Boston College that we've beaten eight times in nine games since we joined the conference. It's a team that has only the only win over us was when we were fading a little bit in 2019, and they had a good team, and we played them at their place. And it's a team that is probably the second worst in the conference right now. And yet, it's a game that we're almost a ten point underdog in. It, it's just it's all all very strange. But we'll try to talk more about BC coming up in the next hour. We'll take some text from you guys to end this hour. At 502-414-1450, that is the Thornton Stocks line. Texas says, if we, were, if we were able to make the tournament in 2024, would it be the biggest turnaround, turnaround in NCAA history if we win four or less this season? I think that actually the biggest turnaround in terms of, of wins and losses, it may have happened last year when Iowa, Iowa State in the COVID season, in 2021, went 2-22. They fired Steve Prohm. They hired TJ Osselberger from, from South Dakota State. And they went to the NCAA tournament last year. And not just went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they won, what, the, the two games, I think? They, they, I think they made the Sweet 16. They finished that year with, let me see real quick. They won 22 games last year. So they, they went from 22 losses to 22 wins in a single season. They won yeah two games in the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed. They knocked off LSU and Wisconsin and then got beat by Miami in the Sweet 16. And I believe from a just wins-to-losses standpoint, that was the biggest turnaround in major conference history. I think there have been a couple of teams at a lower level that have gone like 3-29 and 29 one year and then managed to reel off like 25-26 wins the next season uh, playing in a lower conference. But that was, that was a crazy turnaround. So if we're going to match Iowa State, who only played 24 games in that COVID-shortened season of 2021, 
and we're going to go two and twenty nine this year, we would need to to win like twenty four games next season. So tall task. But if we made the tournament, it would be a hell of a turnaround, no question about it. Texas says Orange Cassidy was at KSR Bar last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. But he was, at, he was at Bar Chronicle after that. That's all that matters. We had him too. Texas says, Mike, when the kids are old enough, you got to watch Puss in Boots too. You see a therapy dog save a cat, and I'm a former dog, but now a cat person. We are we're in dangerous territory when it comes to the cat stuff because Mary and I both very much dog people. Had a cat when I was younger. We, my sister wanted one for a kindergarten present. She got it. We all hated it. We named her Kitty. She was the meanest thing that's ever existed. She was not fun to play with. She only got like compassionate and nice to be around when she was so old that she could barely move. Like she smelled like death, and she could. Be, and that's when she wanted to like get into your lap and and like cuddle up next to you and purr. And you're like, Kitty, this is it, it, the, the time has come. The, the, it, 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 you can't live your life just killing moles and, and trying to bite kids and, and jumping on us from underneath couches and stuff all the time and then try to be nice in your 11th hour. We appreciate it, but you smell terrible. Get it, go, go away. So we had a bad experience with the cat. She's a calico. She's very aggressive. That's the way a lot of people are too. True. <laughs> I hope that when I'm, you know, 99 and smelling bad that, that I can <laughs> cozy up and be nice to people and they'll, they'll treat me better than we've treated poor kitty. Although I will say my mom was the one who stepped like – the cat ended up sleeping next to my mom. She would curl up next to her. She followed her around. And my mom, who was not a cat person either, was very receptive. She, she treated Kitty with, with the utmost respect. But Virginia is very much into cats. Well, you know, if you're going to adopt a cat, it's always better to adopt a male cat because male cats are more, um, more because we've had both females and males. And male cats seem to be more loving and less aggressive. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we had a female cat growing up, so maybe that, that tracks. That could be the, the the reason. But we go to feeder supply a lot. We we, we pawn it off as like we're going to the pet store, which is – it's they, they've got animals in there, so that's all she cares about. They've got a cat that roams the, the store who ironically is named Penny, the same name as our dog, and Virginia loves seeing it when she gets to pet her. But they've also got some some cats in cages at the front of the store, and Virginia loves going over there and, and looking at them and petting them if she's allowed to. But the other day, there was a worker over there that was cleaning out their cages. And Virginia, out of nowhere, is like, I want to take this one home. And I'm like, oh, this is what we've, this is what we've been looking to avoid. This is, this is the moment. And I was like, you know, I don't know how Penny would feel about that. The dog, the, the employee overhears it, and she's like, well, you know, I have dogs and cats, and they get along just great. I'm like, what are you trying to do to me here? Do you, are you not sensing what's going on? And she's like, she's putting the full court press on me. Like, basically, like, you need to adopt. If your dad had a heart, he'd adopt this cat right here, right now. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I mean. She actually said that if your dad had a heart? No, she's implying it. Oh, okay. it, it, it it's the vibe that I'm getting because she's cleaning out the cage. She's not making eye contact with me this whole time. <laughs> she's doing her job, and she's like, well, and she's like, and there's never a bad time to adopt a cat, and you can make the my cat and my dog love each other, and they go on walks together, and it's great. And I'm like, my dog can't come. We have to hold her back on every walk. Anytime any dog passes, she's the most aggressive thing in the world. She's I, I don't think she would. She chased. Our neighbor has a bunch of cats. Which is you know, we love we love Pam we love the cats are all very nice Virginia goes over there and she hangs out with them but anytime one of them's outside it doesn't matter that Penny sees them a million times a week she goes nuts she loses it and I don't want to we got two small children I don't want a home full of dogs and cats right now and this lady's like honey your dad doesn't love you 
he's not adopting this cat. I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. Get me out of here. So I'm very concerned about this cat affinity that we have going on with our daughter right now. I'm 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 worried it's leading us to a dangerous place. Well, when she gets a little bit older. Don't don't Gary. Don't 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 add to the mix here. I, I don't want a cat. I, I don't. I'm sure they're nice. I'm fine with them. I don't want one. But you can teach her responsibility. Oh, she can, we can get a puppy. Cleaning the litter box. She did say yesterday, apparently, I wasn't there, my wife said, that she wanted, she was talking about, there's a video with puppies on, she wants to get a puppy. And we're like, well, and Mary said, you know, we've, we've got Penny. And she goes, well, can we send Penny back and get a puppy? <laughs> Mary's like, well, you don't love, she's like, I love Penny, I just want a puppy. I'm like, well, I get what you're trying to say, but we're, we're not there yet. Maybe I mean, we have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. We're we're fighting it. We're fighting for our lives on a GD daily basis. I'm just trying to get through every day in one piece. We can add more animals to the mix in a few years. <laughs> right now, we're no, we're in no place to be adding to this family at this point. I think that's a that's a good stance to take. <laughs> it's a war every day. I'm just trying to get to the finish line and limp across and get back in bed. That's that's all we're doing. But Puss in Boots too. We will we will check it out. We did try to. Virginia's still very much in the. Like she struggles to sit through movies, like anything with a plot. She's more about just songs. The only movie that she'll sit through, and she's watched it a million times, and I've said this before, is she's obsessed with Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. Like she's obsessed with Jack Skellington. She's obsessed with Sally. She pretends to be Sally all the time. I'm Jack all the time. It's the one movie that she'll sit down and actually watch, but she's still more about the songs than she is the parts where they're just talking and stuff. So we tried to watch Sing 2 the other day, and then that... It lasted like 10 minutes, and then she just moves on. We've tried, you know, Little Mermaid, Lion King, all the classics. She she likes Aladdin. She, she'll watch Jasmine, but that's more about the songs and the princess. But anything with a plot, we're still... I'm ready for that time. I, I want to be able to put on a movie and just be like, here, watch this for like two hours. Maybe I can... Something I can at least watch as a, a sure. adult, as opposed to just these crap songs that are on all these different channels. Here, Virginia, we're going to watch Shawshank Redemption. It's time. <laughs> You're old enough. <laughs> <laughs> how old do you how old are you gonna take her to will she be when you take her to her first movie at a movie theater that's a good question i mean it probably will it's not like it used to be though i feel like it's not a, so as much of a rite of passage because right people in general don't go to movies as much like i i remember we went to a drive and my i mean i don't remember it because i think i was about virginia's age but they took me to drive in to see i think snow white when it was, they did one of like the, it came back out, the re-release that Disney would always do back in the day. And then I do remember the, my first conscious memory of going to a theater. And I had to have been four because I remember living at the the old house that we lived in when I was was real little, was seeing Land Before Time. And I think that was like 1988, 89. So I was a little bit older than she was. But I remember going to see that in theaters. But I mean, probably may try the next year or two. She couldn't do it now. She would not sit through it. It'd be... And I guess I guess most kids don't sit through it anyway. Like my friends who bring their kids to the movies are like, we have 17 bathroom breaks, like 15 trips for popcorn. You miss 85% of the movie, but it's all about like the 10% that you do get to see on the big screen. But we're probably, I think we're still a little bit off from that. The Sound of Music was the very first movie that my parents took me to see. With my, Julie Andrews. My wife's favorite movie of all time. Is that right? She loves Saw it. Saw it downtown on 4th Street when... All the theaters were downtown along 4th Street before the showcase cinemas started the trend towards suburban theaters. Mm -hmm. But I remember seeing that one and uh, what was the other one? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
I yeah, I mean, I think I think mine was Snow White, but the first one I remember seeing was Land Before Time, which but, not not exactly as much of cinematic classics as as, as uh, Santa Music, but Land Before Time was good. And I remember the first movie that made me cry. What was it? Old Yeller. Of course. I mean, I didn't know that a movie could make you cry, and that one. I mean, I was and I was staying with my grandparents and uh, watching it on TV. It was on like you know the disney show on sunday night and i had never seen it before and i was really getting into it and man at the end i was just like i was a blubbering idiot authors in the 60s and 70s just use dogs to terrorize children they, they just use them as, as as plot devices to just make you i read where the red fern grows in fourth grade and had no idea you know now i think they, they prepare kids you've heard about stuff like you kind of know what you're getting into like this may be sad <laughs> i had no idea what was coming and I, I, I just, I remember this vividly. I just, I transferred schools in fourth grade. So I had, I had friends here, but it was still new. And I'm, this was like a, you take the book home, you read so many chapters on this night, we come back, we test. And I'm reading it at home. This is like very early on in my first year. And I'm just like sobbing in my bedroom, reading about these dogs. You know, spoiler, dog dies at the, at the end of the movie. Like it's horrifying. And I'm like, what kind of school is this? What, 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 why did my mom make me come to this new school? What are we doing here? I'm, I'm bawling in my bedroom in early September at this damn book. This is terrible. You can say, Virginia, you want to adopt a puppy? Here's a movie I want you to watch. Cujo. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Oh, Pet Cemetery. That's even better. Um, uh, texture 502-414-1450 says, Tonight feels like another Louisville one-point loss tonight. I'm thinking 60-59 to 59 BC. I really think the Georgia Tech game is where we get win number three, but I'm not optimistic about winning at Notre Dame or home against FSU. I also feel like we could sweep Georgia Tech to maybe get win number four, but at this point, I think four is the ceiling. Five best-case scenario. Typing this text is depressing. Reading it back made me load the gun. Bring on 23-24. It is, this is something we've been saying on the show for consistently now for two months. You have these thoughts that that you you form about the season, and they make sense. Like, like they are they are things that are accurate and reflective about what's going on, and then you say them out loud, and it just hits you how insane it is that we're in this position where you're talking about we might be able to beat Georgia Tech to get our third or fourth win, and and, and this is not a Georgia Tech weird conference game that's being scheduled in mid November or late November. This is late January, February, and we're sitting here at two and 17 and you keep talking about, you know, you try to talk about ways the team has, has been improved because you're trying to be honest about the state of the affair. You're trying to, trying to talk seriously about the season. And then you say things like, well, nobody caught a ball while they were stepping out, uh, out of bounds when they caught it last night. So that's a step in the right direction. And you're saying it earnestly, but it sounds like a freaking joke and when you say it out loud, it's just it, it blows your mind. Every time I go to these Ken Palm rankings, or every time I look at the net, or every time, every time I look at Bart Torvik, and look at the teams that we're surrounded by, it's just such a sobering reminder that there's never been any sort of comparison for where we are right now. And I know last season we thought was the worst of the worst, and people keep comparing this one to that one. We were 127 on Ken Palm last year, and that was a we thought that was the the bottom of the barrel, the lowest it could possibly get. We are 295 right now, 295. We've got teams that haven't finished in the 200s in the last decade who are currently ranked ahead of us. Morehead State, not a good Morehead State team, is ahead of us right now. UT Rio Grande Valley, a 500 team from the WAC, 
is ahead of us right now. A six-win team from the MAC in Western Michigan ahead of us right now. And you, Northern Arizona, they've got five wins, and they're from the Big Sky Conference. They are a solid eight spots ahead of us right now. It's just astounding. And like the texture says, you say these things, you try to talk normally about this, and you just, it, it, it blows your mind when you say those things out loud. Texture says, are you hearing anything about Brandon Huntley Hatfield? Nothing that I, I couldn't already tell you as far as I'm just basing this off of Kenny Payne's comments. I, I'm taking his words at face value. He says it's a foot injury. He went from saying last week that it was day-to-day and he was hoping that he would hear something before the end of the week that would you know, get him back here soon. I think that was the hope. And then this week he said it's doubtful that we see him, on not just on the court tonight, but on the court in the near future was kind of the, the implication there. So it doesn't sound great. I, I don't know if that means – as far as the, the theories that there's something else going on, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I, I see why people would jump to that conclusion, but I, I, I'm choosing to take Kenny Payne's words at face value. Texas also Otzelberger was from UNLV. He was. He was at South Dakota State before then and then spent, I think, two seasons at UNLV before making the jump to Iowa State. I, I guess I just remember him more from the, the Summit League days. Texas on board with basketball. I'm ready to hear no one comes into our house and pushes us around. And then enter Sandman starts playing. Thank God for football. Thank God for spring football coming up in a a couple of months. I think if it wasn't already the case before, and it was, but the pit game, we talked about this last week, for whatever reason, seemed to be a breaking point for some people. I think that the, the debate over Kenny Payne, the debate about the future of the program, all of that stuff, all the stuff that we have just buried into the ground repeatedly for the last few months. Everybody's sick of it. Everybody's also aware that we're not going to get any clear answers this year. If you think Kenny Payne's not the guy, you're probably going to have that view when the season ends in a month and a half. Barring some gigantic unforeseen turnaround where we win 10 out of these last 12 or even 7 of these last 12, you're probably going to hold on to your belief. And if you believe that Kenny Payne is the guy, there's no result for the rest of the year that's going to change your mind. We can have two wins. You're still going to believe Kenny Payne's your guy. If we win more than that, there's some evidence for you. You, got, you have some something to fight with. The fact of the matter is we're not going to know what happens. We're not going to have any more real substantive information in either one of our arguments until the season ends. And I think because that's the case, everybody's just ready for this to be over. And it's even last year, I, I don't think that this was the case at this point in time. It, it was almost a year ago. I want to say exactly a year ago when we found out Chris Mack was 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 leaving. Um, I, I know the Notre Dame game was the like the weekend, the, the weekend of the twenty second last year. I think you know we played. Yeah, it was it was a it was a year ago tomorrow that Louisville officially parted ways with Chris Mack. So it was this time a year ago. And we knew that the season was not trending in the right direction, but I think there were still some some reasons to be interested in the last five weeks. And maybe some even thought that you know they could win some big time games. They almost did uh, under Mike Pegues, maybe make a run in the ACC tournament. There were still you know not a whole lot of reasons to be excited, but nobody was just saying, I don't care about what's going on. this can't end soon enough. Maybe some people were, but it wasn't like it is right now where I think everybody just wants to know what's next. 
this year is what it is. It's established. It's done. It's going to wind up being the least successful season in the history of the program, at least the modern history of the program. Tell me what comes next. Tell me who Kenny Payne's bringing in. Tell me who's not coming back. Tell me if there are going to be staff changes. Tell me how's recruiting is going to get better. And then tell me what the team's looking like for next year. While that's happening, we're going to get excited about football. Thank God for that. But I think everybody is just, as far as this season is concerned, the interest in the actual games on a game-to-game basis is secondary. Concern or intrigue about the, the broader state of the program, that's the primary talking point right now. When people talk about their concerns with Kenny Payne, their concerns with what's happening right now, it's not about this season anymore. The season's lost. This team, we have two wins. We've played more months than we have wins. We're in the, the third month of the season. They've got two wins. It's now about, are we going to get better with this guy running the show? And also, how hard is it going to be for us to get better if the guy winds up not running the show after next season or two years from now or what have you? How much luster have we lost? How deep is this hole? How the hell do we climb out of it? That's where we are right now. Uh, last text before we have to call it an hour. Texas says, people in the South will end questions with huh instead of yeah. Dinner's at 8 p.m., huh? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Cards play Boston College tonight, huh? <laughs> I think it kind of works. I enjoy oh, it. Oh, now whenever somebody says that, I'll notice it. <laughs> huh? All right. Uh, take a break. Five o'clock hours on the way next. We will talk seriously about tonight's game against Boston College. I'll give you a little bit of a rundown, and then we'll hear from you guys more at 502-414-1450. Keep it locked right here on the Big X. with Trevor being gone is I've got no idea who this song is, is for like what wrestler this is and he can't tell us so I'm just like it's somebody's tuning in the show they're like what the hell is this what, what's going on right now it's Trevor playing his song for the days his theme for the day is just professional wrestling intros because he's headed to Lexington for the AEW event tonight but I, I don't know who this is Gary do you have any idea it's I fell by Darby A-L-L-I-N is AEW entrance theme. We don't know for who. Or is it just the AEW theme? We have no I'm in the dark here. I've got, I'm not a wrestling guy. I don't, outside of the Attitude Era, when everybody was into it, I, I was not a big wrestling guy. And I just, I got no insight here. So, TK, you have to let us know. Text me. Let, let me know what's going on. Uh, also, text us on the text line at 502-414-1450. It is the 5 o'clock hour here, the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. It is game day as the cards get ready for uh, Trevor. Oh, no, Trevor texts about something else. He just said, if you're ever curious, our signal on FM reaches all the way to the Shelbyville exit on 64 East. There you go. 
people well, right that's good to know people complaining about the signal earlier this week come on rock on lock it into 96.1 and lock it rip in. off the knob <laughs> try 96.1 and then if you know if you find that get a little static you try 1450 we got two stations here we're good or you can listen on your uh, iPhone in your car. You can tell people complain about the tune it app because apparently it cuts to commercials at random times. They get upset with that. Yeah, I know that there, there's a couple of stations I listen to on TuneIn, and you'll be going along playing a real good song, and all of a sudden in the middle of it, here comes a commercial. But the good thing is when we were having this discussion, it was yesterday and I think we also came up on Monday – People were also laying out all their little tricks to make it work. Like these are the lengths that people will go to to listen to the Big X. They, you know, they're willing to refresh a couple of times during commercial breaks that it doesn't happen during the actual segments. They're doing things with the you know, the link, the streaming link that we have on the website, BigXSportsRadio.com. You know, they're they're gonna work, and they don't mind working a little bit to get the the dulcet tones of Trevor Kelsey on a Tuesday afternoon on the Big X. That's who they are. It's what they do. Now, when they call the phone number to listen over the phone, does that uh, get interrupted by commercials? Well, the issue with that is Trevor's the only one who has the phone number and he never <laughs> knows what it is. <laughs> he doesn't give it to anybody. It changes every day. Back when I've been at other stations before, we uh, we didn't have it on iHeart. They didn't like to use it. I can't remember. They explained why. I don't remember why. We had it on 93.9 and it was people liked it. People liked it. My wife used it all the time. It didn't use up data on the phone. It was an easy thing to do. And we have it here, but the number apparently changes on a week-to-week basis, and Trevor's the only one who gets it, and he never – Trevor doesn't have liner sheets waiting for me when I come in here on for the show, if this is going to surprise you at all. Well, now that does surprise it's me. shocking. I don't have the the reads. I don't have anything down here. But so he's he would have to, to pass that number along if we're going to utilize that, which would be nice. But, TK, if you're listening, let's make that happen. We'll make it happen. Um it is a, a, a game day here. Cards getting ready for Boston College tonight. We, we can talk seriously about this game a little bit. We've talked broadly about it in terms of it being, look, it's it's if you are an objective sports fan looking for something to watch on a Wednesday evening, you're not staying up late to watch the Cards take on Boston College in Chestnut Hill in front of what I can only assume is going to be at most 3,000 people, probably less than that, all told. It's... This is the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the ACC. This this is the I know they've got three conference wins. They swept Notre Dame, but according to the analytics, according to anything that ranks teams, BC is the second worst team in the ACC, and Louisville is the worst team in the in the conference by a fairly wide margin. So you've got not an attractive matchup. Um, the teams I mean, Louisville's lost eight in a row. Boston College has won one game in a row because they beat Notre Dame for the second time. I saw it's also their first conference sweep of anybody since 2018, which is sort of depressing. But that's, this is the job that Earl Grant has been tasked with, with you know, doing, accomplishing, making Boston College maybe not a top-tier team in the conference, but making them relevant again. They've been so far down for so long. Things got a little bit out of control with Jim, Crush, Jim Christian in those last few years. They've had good guards over the years, but they have not had great teams. And Grant won 13 games last year, brought back four starters from that team, they had hopes of being like mid-pack in the ACC. I don't think that's going to happen. Their non-conference portion of the season, if you're wondering, did not go great. They beat, you know, they beat more of the teams that they're supposed to beat than we did, but who didn't? They did lose games to Maine and Tarleton State, where Billy Gillespie is the head coach, and also an overtime loss to New Hampshire, in addition to losses that are more understandable to Nebraska and Villanova. They've been not terrible in conference play, three and six overall which is not not awful compared to what BC has been in recent years. 
They've got two wins over Notre Dame, as mentioned. They just beat them by 12 on the road in their most recent game on Saturday. And then what was, at the time, maybe a more impressive win than it looks like now over Virginia Tech in overtime back on December 21st. I know VT beat Duke this week, but they still just have two league wins. Uh, but Boston College, they've when they've lost, it's been fairly decisive. Like They're not getting blown out as badly as we are, but... You know, they've got a 14-point loss to a Syracuse team that we should have beaten. They lost to Duke by 16, then lost to them only by one at home. They lost to Miami by 16. They lost to Wake by 22, and they lost to Carolina by eight. So it's they've, they've been not wholly competitive in, in their losses, but they've been more competitive than we have this season, which is, is not saying a whole lot. As far as the way that they're going to play tonight— Boston College, more reason to, to, to get excited about this if you're just sort of an objective viewer. They're going to try to muck up this game a little bit. They, they don't play the most exciting style of basketball. They're still a team, at least under Earl Grant, that wants to win with defense. I know that when Christian was there and when some other coaches have been there in the past, they've been a guard-heavy team that likes to get up and down a little bit, likes to score points, likes to you know, maybe be a little bit lax defensively. That's not Grant's M.O. They are a much better defensive team than they are on offense. I believe they are uh, like 100 or thereabouts in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 255th in the same category on offense. They've got, again, a veteran group they're going to start. Makai Ashton Lankford has been there. He's been playing college basketball since the David Padgett season, 2017-18. That was his first year. Uh, this is his last year. Surely to God, this is going to be his last year. But he's he's really good. He, he's the same player that he's been in recent seasons. He's had success against us. He's a 6'3 guard that doesn't shoot it particularly well from the outside. He likes to get in the lane. He's crafty around the rim. He's a very good passer. He's a very crafty passer. But maybe where he makes the biggest impact is on the defensive end of the court. He's been one of the better steal guys in the ACC for the last three seasons. He averages about a steal and a half per game. Louisville is a team that has loved to give the ball away in 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 pretty much every game this year. Cannot happen again this season. Uh, Jaden Zachary is the other guard that's going to be back. They, they basically start three guards. Uh, Zachary and Langford are guards. Prince um, Algaby, I don't know how to say his last name, Aligby, Aligby is a freshman. He's the the only non-returnee who's a starter for this team. He can play kind of guard or forward. But the other guy that you really have to circle on this team is Quentin Post, who's a seven-foot center from the Netherlands. He's from Amsterdam, and he... Had a foot injury to start the season, so he missed the first 11 games. And they've been a much better team since he came back. The first 13 games, I should say. He's only played seven games this season. He really helps them out on offense. And and he's kind of become the focal point of their offense. He's coming off a game against Notre Dame where he scored 29 points. uh, Was very good from the field. He's not a guy who should kill you from the outside. But he made four or five threes against Notre Dame. So, it's not... An attractive matchup for our guys, our bigs who have struggled to defend in pretty much any of the three levels, to have a guy who can score from all three levels. But that's what we're going to be faced with tonight. Post is a guy who is very skilled, very versatile. He can beat you in a variety of ways. He's not a bad passer for somebody who's his size. And you're going to have to have Sidney Curry or J.J. Trainer or Emmanuel Okorafor if he's in there or whoever do a really good job at defending him if they don't want him to go off and score a game-deciding amount of points like he did against Thunder Dame. BC, I hesitate to say this because whenever I say this, it winds up blowing up in my face, but I feel more confident about saying this because I think they got the performance out of their system on Saturday. They've been a horrific three-point shooting team so far this year. 
They shoot 29.2% as a team from three, which is 342nd in Division One. But they're coming off a game against Notre Dame where they made 11 of 19. Uh, greatly aided by that post-performance where he hit four of five. They've got a bunch of streaky shooters at best, and I think you put post in that category as well. Ashton Langford is a career 29% three-point shooter. A lot of guys on this, this roster kind of fit that mold. They should not shoot it that well again, but we really struggle to defend the three. So they're going to get open looks. It's a matter of them being able to knock them down or not. Again, they're going to play slow. They want to have a ugly game where Louisville plays a lot of half court, uses a lot of time in these shot clock possessions, and then hopefully turns the ball over. What we cannot do tonight, and this is stating the, the obvious, but it's beyond true, you can't just give them points by throwing the ball away and letting them have easy layups in transition. You, you can't just have these backcourt turnovers or these long rebounds where you let them get out. They are not a good half-court offensive team. So you've got to make them earn the baskets that they do get. If you like, if we have the, the types of plays where you know, two guards are standing near midcourt, one throws to the other, guy's not really looking, BC player anticipates the pass, steals it, gets a layup. If you have three or four of those types of plays, Eight points can be the difference. Those cheap eight points, because they're not going to give you much defensively. You're going to have to earn it. We've got to make them earn stuff as well. That's your rundown on Boston College. There it is. Ten minutes on Boston College basketball. God love anybody who stood there and listened to the entire thing. BC, by the way, again, 1-8 and eight against Louisville since joining the ACC in 2014-15. Their one win was at home against Chris Mack's first team. Uh, they beat them in February at the Con- at the uh, the Connie Forum. I think the final there was 69-54. to But BC... They've been much better taking care of the ball in conference play. Only 11 turnovers per game in league play as opposed to 14 turnovers per game during the non-conference portion of the season. They've gotten, they have gotten better as the season has gone on. There's no question about it. They're still not a great team. This is a team that in years past you would look at and say, just take care of business. Go up there, win the game by 15, keep everybody healthy, get out of there, get ready for the bigger games. This year... It's a game where we're going up there and we're not in half-point underdogs. It's it's jarring to talk about, but we know exactly where we are. 0-8 uh, in conference play for the first time since the 1939-40 season, and now one loss away from matching the nine-game losing streak that we had to start the season. Cards need to, need to get it done here. If, if, if it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen in these two weeks. If we're going to win a conference game, if we're not going to go 0-20, if we're not going to have all these stories written about us as potentially the worst power conference team in the history of college basketball, you don't have to have a win tonight, but I think you've got to have one in this span of four games. Do you think it happens? Let us know. 502-414-1450. The Ken Palm prediction, by the way, is Boston College winning this game tonight by a final score of 71-61. to If you're asking me, I know I picked this as a win a couple of weeks ago when I was feeling a little bit more confident before the regressions against North Carolina and Pittsburgh. If we're looking at this slate of four games and you're saying which ones do you feel the most confident about, I no longer think tonight. I do think I agree with the texter earlier this uh, in the show who said Georgia Tech at home on February 1st. But if you're going to win those either of those two home games, GT or Florida State, if, they, if that's your your basis, you kind of feel like this team has to have some confidence has to have some momentum, has to have some belief because we saw them have a little bit of belief after they fought against NC State in Kentucky a little bit. Uh, you know, I get that we lost those games by a combined 35 points, but it was better than it had been before then, trust me. And they took that momentum, 
that little bit of positive reinforcement, and they should have beaten Syracuse. And they were competitive and right there with, with Wake Forest and Clemson for a long period of time. And then since then, they've had two 21-point losses where, let's be real, they just didn't really compete. And I think if you have lopsided losses in, in these next two games to Boston College, who's very bad, and Notre Dame, who has one conference win and who's, I think, they're ready for the season to be over too. I think Mike Bray's ready for this his run at Notre Dame to be over. If you get beaten badly in both these games by double figures, I think it's going to be really hard to pick yourself up off the mat and get ready for two games that you should theoretically have a very strong chances of winning against GT and Florida State. So they need to at least be competitive in these games if we're going to have a shot at winning games that first week of February. Which again, one of those things that you say out loud and you're like, my God, how did we get here? How, how did this happen? But it's where we are. Here's hoping the cars can keep it competitive tonight and maybe pull off one against a BC team that is not very good. They're not. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Texter says, <laughs> Texter says, people uh, legit don't even realize that there are any cities in Kentucky, which is hilarious. That being said, it would be rad if we didn't have to wear shoes. I never wore shoes inside. So if, if you want to perpetuate that stereotype, then yeah, I, I'm good with that. I am... I don't know if if people are blown away by this as much as I am. And I, I guess I shouldn't be because I've been doing this for a long time. But whenever I hear recruiting stories about players from Florida or more recently California talking about, like, they visit Louisville without having any idea that we have buildings. Like, they land and they're like, I thought this was, was going to be like all farmland. Like, Teddy Bridgewater said that when he came here from from Miami. He was like, I assumed that it was just, you know, rolling hills and lots of farmland. And I got here, I'm like, oh, they have buildings. They have restaurants. I was blown away. And you hear kids say that on an annual basis. Kids who have never, you know, n- never been to Louisville, I guess never Googled the city, never watched a game and seen the shot of the skyline that they show 75 times a year on ESPN or ESPN2. It, it always surprises me that these kids just have no idea that it's that there, there's a city in Louisville with real buildings and real people and, and who wear clothes and stuff. And a very famous racetrack. A very famous racetrack. We were talking about that off air. How like when you bring in friends from out of town <laughs> that go to the Derby for the first time, they're like, "Is this is is this Louisville?" And you're like, "Well, we'll show you other parts too." Yeah, there's other parts of town. The TV makes it look a little bit more glamorous than it does when you're walking. You know, you're parking down there on off Third Street and you're <laughs> you're making that walk and you know you're maybe parking in somebody's backyard. The people are great, but the uh, the setup is a little bit jarring if you're all dressed up in a fancy suit or a fancy dress expecting something a little bit different. And it's raining. <laughs> and it's raining. And it's raining. Um, Scooter Dingus, by the way, saves the day. The call-in number to listen to is the one that he's got. 563 is the area code, 999-3250. You can listen to the show if you call that number. I'm going to write that down. I'm hoping it's – he says, I'll get you the other one when I can remember it. Thank you, Scoot. Scoot saves the day. 563-999-3250. If you're somebody who still has like a data plan on your cell phone and you don't want to use data, call that number. Boom. No data used. Just a phone call. I love having unlimited long distance. I do too. I remember what it was like back in the old days. I, I, mean, I remember getting in trouble for like the, having to send text messages that were if you went over like 10 oh. a week, it was like 13 cents. My, my mom was like, you have... A million text messages. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't know. I, re- I remember my first plan had 200 text messages, and I thought, yeah, I'll never go over that. <laughs> and then I reconnected one night with a friend of mine who lives out in Hollywood, 
and uh, we sat there and texted all night long, and it was like about forty extra dollars <laughs> on the on the bill. It's nuts. I I still remember like when cell phones first became because cell cell phones. I was in high school for like the rise of cell phones when it happened so fast. When it went from, you know, my freshman year of high school, you were a super rich kid if you had a cell. Like we knew like one person who had a cell phone. Like nobody had. Some people had beepers, but like nobody had cell phones. And then it slowly became like sophomore year, more people had cell phones. Then like junior year, a lot of people had cell phones, but most of them, like the first cell phone I ever got, my friends jokingly called it the cordless, like a Zach Morris phone. Like it was, it was not, you couldn't do anything besides just, just make calls, like nothing. And then senior year, it becomes like, everybody's got a cell phone. You have to have a cell phone and texting just starts to become a thing. And then when I get to college, like the iPhone comes out right at the end of college and then it's done. Like you have to have it. You have to have an iPhone. Everybody's on the same page. But it just, it happens so quickly from like, you know, cell phones were this luxurious thing and yeah, you're rich, but it's going to give you brain cancer. And then it became, you know, you got to have one. If you're going to go out on the weekends, if you're going to be with your friends, like you've, you got to have a cell phone. I was working for a station, our AM sister station ran this show called uh, The Fabulous Sports Babe. I don't know if you remember her or not. I don't think I do. And she, uh, she did a sports talk show. And anytime that someone would call in on a cell phone, she'd always say, rich boy, rich boy on a car phone. <laughs> My dad had a car phone in for a brief period for his work. And I remember that. I remember thinking it was like the fanciest thing in the world. It was like a very small amount of time, but he, he had one. Like it was like hardwired into like the, yeah. the middle seats. And it's, then there's an antenna on the back of the car. I'm, I, I thought this before and I, I'll, I'll say it on the radio. I'm stunned that we just gave up like different types of cell phones, the look of them. Because for the first like six, seven years when cell phones were really popular, you had all these different varieties. You had, you know, the flip phones became very popular. They had different looks on the outside. You could kind of decorate them. You had, you know, different ringtones. It was like, you could do a lot of different things with a cell phone. You could play Tetris all day long. I played a lot of snake on the cell. I got very good at snake. (laughs) You had, yeah, you had, you had little games on there, but like the styles were different. Like you had yeah. very, very different looking cell phones from person to person. And when you got a new one, it almost looked nothing like the one that you just gotten before. And then now everybody has the same phone. Even if you have an Android, not a, a, an iPhone, it's dark, it's boring, it's all the same look. I'm shocked that we all just like took this lying down. That we all like, the, the, nobody was like this. I'm, I'm more shocked that it worked. That, like the, I thought there would be more competitiveness, but props to, you know, Mr. Apple. Tim, oh yeah tim apple just killing it over there and just i mean so many different things you can do with an iphone yeah just just making us all I, I, I always thought that putting a camera on a telephone when they first came out on the you know and when the cell phones first came out with cameras i thought that is the dumbest idea i didn't I've think ever. it was gonna work yeah, yeah. i didn't either I, I i thought no way it works this is a fad people are gonna well when i first got a cell phone that had a camera i mean it looked like you were taking I mean, just some grainy, <laughs> like the the shot of somebody who's been blurred out for an interview because they don't want to see their face. Like it moved, like it was like an eighties music video. It it looked not you couldn't use the pictures. It, it gave you nothing of quality. No, I'm like this isn't gonna last. There's no way. Just use the cell phone to talk. What are we doing here? I, I talk and text is great. And then sure enough, I have a million pictures and videos on my phone now. Ten years later, and then people would started or they started where I work, listening to the radio on their iPhones. You know, and it was like, you know, because of the little speaker. But then along came Bluetooth. Killed it. That changed, changed the game. everything. Changed the game, for sure. 
Uh, text the sicko alert. I will be attending the BC game tonight. My God, I didn't really want to, but I saw tickets for as low as one dollar. In comparison, the BC women's game versus Pitt, the lowest ticket prices were twenty dollars. God bless you. Send us a picture uh, tonight on the text line. We can talk about it tomorrow. I've I've been through the Conti forum. When I walked, we went to a game at BC, and we went to like the 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 press box suite area. And you have to actually to get there, you've got to walk through the basketball slash hockey facility. And the basketball team was practicing, and it was the, the worst. I, I watched like five minutes. I'm like, this is the worst practice I've ever seen in my life. The facilities at BC are god awful. You you walk up in like the press box area, and it feels like the whole place is about to collapse. It, it's rickety. It's it, the elevator shakes a little bit. The the you know the, it feels like the steel beams were put in place in 1935. It is not. It is not a luxurious place by any stretch of the imagination is it worse than the press box at the old cardinal stadium no <laughs> no <laughs> no but it's i went up there once and i said i'm not going back again it's not quite that scary but it's it's not good and it's never good when you have to walk through the basketball arena to get to a portion of the football stadium which is the setup that they've got there at bc uh texas says last time you said quote not an attractive matchup was Pitt, and we got blown out. That said, I feel like we have a better chance tonight. Well, that wasn't an attractive matchup either, but Pitt, Pitt at least has somewhat legitimate aspirations of being an NCAA tournament team. BC has not. BC is like us in, in the regard that they're going to have to win the ACC tournament if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, barring some sort of miracle 11 straight wins to end the, the regular season run. But it, it certainly, neither one of these are attractive matchups. And, and I meant not in terms of the way that we stack up against them specifically, because we don't stack up great against anybody, but certainly we stack up better against BC than we do the, the, the bulk of the conference. I just meant in terms of watchability. If you've got no rooting interest, why would you flip this game on? In, in that respect, it's not an attractive matchup. Texas says the phone number has been the same for months. 518-931-1125. Well, that's not the that's not the one that that's the producer gave us. So <laughs> I guess maybe that's the other one. I don't know. Uh, 518-931. Nobody seems to know. Every time I ask about it, like I, I never get a, a straight answer. So hopefully the listeners know more than than we do here. But if it is, we know the one that works is 563-999-3250. Use that one. We'll be good. Um Texas says Darby is the TNT champ. He stings Allen. I guess that, that's the song that we're playing. Darby Allen, who's in the main event tonight at AEW. That was the song that was playing. He's the TNT champ. I don't know what that means. We're going to play it again here soon, too. You'll hear it in a second if you want to know what's going on. Uh, that's good. Texas Gary's the man. Gary is the man. Why, thank you. Thank you so much. Same texture says, how much do you hate... Uh, UK seeming to have figured it out. What about your narrative on Cal's coaching? Uh, has not changed. I mean, he was <laughs> sorry. Their preseason number two. I don't think that currently being a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament shifts the narrative of, of his style being a little bit archaic. Uh, I also asked if we tried in Kanto yet. We have tried in Kanto. It goes well for a little bit of time, and then there's some parts that she's she gets a little scared. Like she's a little too scared. We try to watch the um, the the Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. And when they put on like the, the skeleton mask and stuff, she gets a little bit freaked out. But I like it. The songs are catchy. I enjoy Encanto. But she's a little bit, little bit, little bit behind. 
Uh, I tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take some text from you guys. 502-414-1450. We'll make some predictions about tonight's game against Boston College and get you ready for tip-off. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Wednesday here on the Big X. It works, it works a lot better when TK can like let us know what's going on here, but he's he's on the road. <laughs> Maybe next time I'll get to play some of my music on here. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, Trevor, now, once again, the confusion over the call-in number for listening to the show. He says, if you call in the number that Scoots gave, it is automation that gives you that day's numbers. Can we not? Can we, can we not just get one number? Can we, I, what's going on here? Is the one that the texture sent in the, the the one that actually worked? I don't know, but somebody we need some clarity here. Um, also, he says that that's Jericho's music. Why? I, the only Chris Jericho I know is Y two Y two J, and Break the Walls Down, and that was a jam. So I, I don't like the new one as much, but that's fine. Uh, TK on his way to Lexington, getting ready to take in some wrestling at Rupp Arena. He's very excited. It's a huge week for him. I mean, not only does he have Big-time seats for a big-time wrestling event at Rupp Arena tonight where he's going to be on TV. He's He predicted a Louisville win over Boston College tonight. If it happens, my God, the man, he'll gain back some of the respect that he lost from his guarantee of a win over North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. And then he's got the Eagles playing for a spot in the Super Bowl on Sunday. He's got a lot. It's a, it's a huge five-day span here for Trevor Kelsey, four-day span here for Trevor Kelsey. He's living it up. He's living the high life right now. I wish I could. We're all just trying to, you know, you're a Bengals fan, right? No, I'm a Lions fan. No? Okay. Thanks for that, Gary. <laughs> Dynamite drop-in, just, just crushing my dreams. The good news is, though, I am a Reds fan. So well, that's good. I picked the right Cincinnati team to be a lifelong fan of. <laughs> the one that hasn't won a playoff series since 1990, which is the longest streak of playoff utility of any of the major pro sports. And number two on that list the aforementioned Detroit Lions. The my two favorite pro sports teams have the longest streak of not winning a playoff series slash game in all of professional sports. Oh, when I worked with with Jeff Ramsey for years, hey, he the Bengals, he loved them, good or bad. He does. He really does. I do, and I, I say this as somebody. I grew up. I don't remember. I, you know how like you form initial opinions about sports based on very very silly things. I remember, so the Bengals were very good when I was really young. They went to back-to-back Super Bowls with with Boomer Esiason, and all I remember is my dad, who when you're you know, a young boy first getting into sports, your dad's word is kind of gospel. My dad did not like the Bengals, 
and he said that Boomer Esiason was really dumb. And so I just had this negative feeling about the Bengals just based on that one comment when they were getting ready to play in the Super Bowl, basically my entire childhood. But as I've gotten, like, I, I don't, I don't dislike the Bengals, and I will say I know plenty of really good diehard Bengals fans who were really good diehard Bengals fans when times were were not so good. Right. And for all those people, I am genuinely really happy for the last couple of years getting to go to the Super Bowl, potentially, I mean, right there on the verge of going back to the Super Bowl, maybe having an even better chance of winning this year. If you've, like, even Kentucky football fans, as much as I despise Kentucky and will never be able to root for them, I there are multiple people in my life, like everybody around here, who I love, who are Kentucky fans. And the ones who weren't like the, well, I'm only paying attention when we're we're getting good at football fans. Like the ones who stuck it out, who were like who knew the backup quarterback's name on the one and eleven team in two thousand three, whenever that was. The ones who like were watching every Saturday, good or bad. Like I did feel genuinely good for them when UK was winning ten games a couple of years ago, when they've had some success recently. I, I don't like that it's happening, but. I can still feel like you, know, you guys deserve it. But the ones who are just jumping on the bandwagon, get out of here. Get, get out of my face. If, if the Lions do ever get good, which seems to be potentially happening, I'll be happy for all the Lions fans who've been, like me, following this team that has not done anything for almost the entirety of our existence on this planet. And it gives you a game to watch on Thanksgiving Day. Always. Yeah. I always treat it like, for most years of my life, even this year, because it looked like we were still pretty bad going into Thanksgiving this year. We, we ran off a huge winning streak to end the season. But we played a little bit better going to Thanksgiving. But most years, by the time you get to Thanksgiving, the Lions are out of the playoff hunt. And so I sort of treat it like a de facto bowl game where it's like, this game, it means more. It's Thanksgiving. I don't care that we're 2-10. and 10. Let's get excited about this. And usually we lose. But there have been a couple of times where they've pulled off improbable wins. And it, it is always fun to watch. Now, the, the weird thing is, since I've gotten married, you know, we, got, we have a pretty good plan for Christmas. But for Thanksgiving, we couldn't like our, both of our families do dinner around the same times, and so we've just done this thing since even before we had kids, where we we rotate years. We'll do one year with my family here in Louisville. We'll do the next year with with her family in Springfield, and the years in Louisville are far more Lions centric. Like like they, there's a lot more <laughs> there's a lot more emphasis because you know when I was growing up, we you know, people came to our house for Thanksgiving most years. Woke up. My mom tried to make us watch the parade. We would do that. And then it was it was Lions time. Like my, my dad and I are watching the Lions game. We're getting excited. We're you know, we would get ready for the company coming over at like halftime, watch the rest of the game, and then you eat dinner. But Mary's family, like they eat dinner a little bit earlier. So it's like right in the middle of the line. So the first year I went over there, the Lions get the game winning field goal while we're eating. I'm like sprinting to the kitchen, like coming back in, watching on the little TV. I'm like, it's just, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but it's, it's all good. So basically Mary's family eats earlier in the day exactly. and then your family. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is with, uh, we don't eat, with my we, wife. we don't eat until post lines. We, we have, we have a post lines <laughs> dinner. That's the way that it goes. We determine the mood is based on the line. I'm really the only one who cares that much, but my dad's kind of into lines now, but for the most part, I mean, my mom could not care less, so she doesn't mind. She doesn't. It doesn't bother her at all. Well, you do think? Do you think in this area that um, since you know a heck of a lot more about sports than I do, do you think there are more Bengals fans or Colts fans? I think Bengals. I, I, I yeah. think it's. Or, I do know a decent amount of Colts fans. I would say I know just personal experience. Far, far more Bengals fans. Yeah, and I know far more um, Tennessee fans too. For some reason, I think I, I know a, a decent amount of Tennessee fans. I would actually say, and this is just personal i think they're i'm sure there are more colts fans out there that than i just know about 
I feel like I know more Browns fans than Colts fans. I think Bengals. Oh, okay. Bengals is probably the top. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I know probably the second most Browns fans, and then I think after that, it's probably Colts and Titans are are pretty close. But that could also just be. I mean, the Colts were really good for a period of time, like last decade. They've fallen on some hard times now. It definitely seems like I know a lot more Bengals fans now than I did in the <laughs> 90s or any other time in, in my entire life. All those fair weather fans. They're popping up out of nowhere. I'm like, you really? Like, weren't you cheering for the Steelers like five years ago? Aren't they like the arch rivals? <laughs> what's what's going on here? Like, how did this happen? But uh, they definitely, but I'm, I, I do love, the one thing about being the fan of a notoriously awful franchise, and especially around here where like, Everybody's got a weird favorite team, you know, because we don't have a hometown team. You do have a lot of Bengals fans, but I've got friends who are like Cowboys fans, Vikings fans, Packers fans. It's, it, people are all over the place, but people like know you as the Lions fan. So when the Lions do something great or do something awful, <laughs> I get like millions of texts from people that I would never talk to other than that. Like, I'll, like I'll get texts from people. I mean, I remember in college we started four and zero one year. And there were guys in high school that like I wasn't even really that close friends with who would just send me to the big. How about these amazing lions? Like I, <laughs> I think of you every time I see the lions do something. So it's kind of cool to like be associated that directly with the team. And there are a couple on Twitter. I know there are a couple of other uh, Louisville fans that are, are Lions fans. We're, we're a small but proud contingent. We had we had Marcus Maven for a, a brief period of time when his son was playing for the team, and I like talking to Marcus about like you know, he's like tell me how to be miserable like, like a Lions fan. I'm like. Ugh buddy years of practice don't worry about this but now Jalen is, is not no longer on the team so it's we're few we're proud the Lions fans my dad used to follow the Green Bay Packers and the reason is this is a true story my dad was a meat packer I love it and uh, he followed he followed the Green Bay Packers because uh, them boys are uh, financed by a bunch of meat packers they gotta it. be good I mean, the the reasons that people around here pick their favorite teams, it's it's always so funny. And I mean, my so there was a very brief period of time when I was really young. I mean, I I did like the Eagles because I liked Randall Cunningham. I called him Rambolt Cunningham. And green was my favorite color. Like that was, I I liked the Eagles for a brief period. And then I remember really cheering for the Phoenix Cardinals. And it took my dad explaining to me that there's a difference between the Phoenix Cardinals and the Louisville Cardinals, that they're not at all intertwined. They're not associated. And I remember him (laughs) saying that. And I was just like, He's like, you know that, right? And I was like, yeah, I know that. And in my mind, I was like, you idiot. You, you've been living a lie this, this whole season. And that's when I decided, I was probably like six or seven, Barry Sanders was my favorite player. He was very cool. And I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'll cheer for, for Barry. I'm a Lions guy. And since then, it's such an ill-fated choice, but that's, that's who I've been. But you'll have people who are like, like my buddy's a Vikings fan, just watched a Vikings game one time when he was little, happened to be on TV. It was the first memory that he had of football. Thought they were cool, like the way they played. Boom, Vikings fan for his whole life. Like that's just it's. You don't have a team. You find weird ways to pick squads. That's NBA teams are even weirder here locally. I feel like, but I don't even have an NBA team. Uh, Texter says five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. We got about fifteen minutes here. We'll take some texts from you guys, and then we'll make some predictions for tonight's game against Boston College. Nine o'clock tip off, up there at the Connie Forum in Chestnut Hill. Texas, I was late to joining the show. Is Akora 4 debuting or we don't know? It's the question of the day. It's been the question of the week. And the answer to the question of the day and the question of the week is we don't know. All we have to go on are Kenny Payne's comments yesterday, which it was sort of funny. We played them on yesterday's show. He is effusive in his praise of this young man. He's basically describing some hybrid of Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon and Kevin Durant. He can do everything. He's got the best attitude. 
He his his attitude is contagious. He's breaking down film of the Western Kentucky game at midnight in, on his first night here. He says all of this stuff, and then he's like, "Well, I don't know if I'm going to play him." Like you, you you've got to play him, right? If if he's this good, if he's making this much of a difference, he's got to at least see the court, and and that has become. It's the reason that I'm the most excited to watch tonight's game. I'd love for this team to get a win. I'd love they've earned that. I think that they've. It's been a. I can't imagine how tough it's been being inside that locker room and knowing all the things that have been said and, you know, hearing people like like you know, know nothings like me get on here and be all upset about us having two wins and understanding that it's it's bad, but also having to deal with that on a day to day basis. You'd love to see them at least have a, a night where they win a conference game, and and I hope that they do. But for me, the more intriguing thing about tonight's game is just whether or not we see this kid. It's it's a new piece of the puzzle that maybe could make a big difference down the line. I think that's your hope. I know we still got rumors about an, another kid from the same academy potentially coming over here. I'm not sure if that kid would be eligible this year or if that's going to be um, something that's going to be he's only eligible next season. But Emmanuel Okorafor it's at least hope it's new. You don't know what he can do, but if he gets out there and he looks promising, then you can say, oh, he, he maybe he can win us a game or two before the end of this season. But more importantly, maybe he can be a key cog into what we're hoping to achieve next season and beyond. So yeah, I, I'd love to see him see the court tonight, even if he's not hundred percent ready and there's no way he could be hundred percent ready in, in eight days of preparation, but I don't care. You can still see signs of potential. If you just get out there and play basketball, basketball is basketball. He can get out there and do some things. Texas says, if we win the next two, catch someone else slipping, then five games in March, we are in. Easy peasy. I don't... Oh, you have five. I see what you're saying now. Five games in five days in early March will get us to the NCAA tournament. It would... I I was thinking about this in my warped, twisted mind last night because a friend of mine was talking about if we did the unthinkable and won five games in, in five days in Greensboro. Not only would we be a 16 seed based on our net ranking, we'd probably have to play in the first four in date. We'd have to play in the, in the 16 versus just to get into the main draw. Our, I know our net ranking would jump significantly based upon us winning five games over ACC teams, but assuming we lose out and we go into the conference tournament with a two and 29 record, if we're seven and 29, our net ranking is still probably teetering in the low 200s. It's like 340 right now we probably not only would be a 16 seed, we would have to play in the first four in Dayton against a Miak or SWAC team, which is just wild to think about. Because most of the time when you have a crazy run like Georgetown a couple of years ago by a team that's got no business being in the NCAA tournament, they're still like a 12 or a 13. I think Georgia, the year that they won the crazy SEC tournament with a tornado, I believe they wound up being a 13. You typically still have a better resume than most small conference tournament champions. We wouldn't. And that would be <laughs> one of the strangest. It'd be the, the perfect end to the the strangest season that any of us have ever experienced. Texter says, talking about the feeder supply, if this is the feeder supply across from the summit, it's not, unfortunately. That lady did the same thing to me and then tried to get us to adopt a rat. Yes, really, a rat. No, I was telling a story about feeder supply. The lady putting uh, some pressure on me to adopt a cat when my daughter was expressing interest. This, was the, this is the one off Shelbyville Road, but the one across from the summit. We've been there. Don't get a rat. No. Did they sell pet rats at Feeder Supply? I guess they do. I've seen bunnies. I've seen guinea pigs. I've seen, yeah, they've got snakes. They've got fish. They've got birds. 
I have not seen a rat for sale at any feeder supply. And you get a rat, and then it gets in that little wheel, starts spinning around, spinning all night, and you're sitting there trying to sleep. Then you hear that wheel going round and round. Do rats do that? I thought mm-hmm. it was like a gerbil mouse thing. No, rats do it too. They need the exercise. Rats are gross. I knew someone once who had a pet rat. No, why? Those people, I mean. Most of the time people buy pet rats, so they're, they're the albino rats. You know, they're white with the red I eyes. I, I, I don't care if it happened when you were like five years old. I don't trust anybody who had a pet rat. I can't. I can't get past it. I, I don't trust you. There's something wrong with you. I, I can't. It will stay. I, I'll think of you as the rat guy. Well, what about a hamster? It's fine. Yeah. Hamsters are fine. I think we had, I think there was a brief period. I know we had guinea pigs. Guinea pigs, yeah. Because one, <laughs> poor Timmy, uh, my sister had guinea pigs. One died with his mouth clasped upon the bars. And it's one of those, you know, you go into rigor mortis and like it's, and so my parents, like, you, you can't just pull him off there. They had to like <laughs> unclench the mouth. You had to call the fire department to bring the jaws my, alive. <laughs> my, my poor sister's like, something's wrong with Timmy. And I'm like, oh, something's definitely wrong with him. And my parents are like, what? I, do we yank the rest of his body? Like, how do we do this? What do you do? Like, so you had to like get like little pliers, like <laughs> ply his like teeth out. It was terrible. It was, it was horrifying. I mean, I was, I was older. I, I kind of knew, had more experience with pet death. But even even then, I was like, this is not not a distinguished way for any being to go, let alone a guinea pig. It was bad. Texture says, talking about <laughs> kids' brutal honesty is my favorite thing. Virginia basically said, Penny is nice, but F that be. Yeah, she was. She just wants a puppy. She's, she's ready for something new. She didn't want to. When we talked about, you love Penny. She's like, I love Penny, but I want a puppy. By any means necessary. I'm sorry. I want something new. I mean, she'd send me back, I think, if she could get a puppy. That's just, that's who she is. Texas, I've been thinking of adopting my first pet all day today, and I tune in, and you are randomly talking about adopting pets. That's a sign. That's a sign. I also put a link on News Notes Day on Card Chronicle about a story here locally about the need, the desperate need here locally to adopt dogs and puppies out there. Right, so they, because they're having to start to euthanize them. They are, which is terrible. And I know we, I know we have a small amount of no-kill shelters here, but there are far more kill shelters. And if you want to adopt, now's the perfect time. So we've just guilt-tripped you into making that happen. You better, the next time you text into the show, you better be letting us know that you just got a dog. (laughs) And how much you love it. Exactly. Texas, I will attempt to figure out what Josh Jameson uh, actually does. I might keep a counter of how many times he stands up during tonight's game. I can't keep track of which assistant we're the most mad at. Because it it, it tends to, to ebb and flow. People get mad about Nolan Smith being on Twitter. Or not getting his players, people get mad about Danny Manning. I guess not doing enough in practice. You know the rumors that I've heard, and not standing up enough during games. Now it's Josh Jamison not standing up enough during games. We're just mad at everybody. Let's be real. We, we just we shift the blame from game to game. We need to start learning the name. Is it going to be the only person that we don't blame is Reese Gaines? Nobody's going to blame Reese Gaines for anything. He's fine. He's a legend. We love him. He played here. He's great. But everybody else is is, is on the chopping block. Everybody else is. Is open to criticism. That's the way it works when you're two and seventeen. Uh, Texter says, "Oh, it's a roll call text. I'm so sorry." Dare I say, the last few games, the offenses looked pretty deliberate. Oh, they're all buying in on the, the coach Cal, the talking points, the tweak. It's happening. They, uh, I didn't watch any of the game last night. Apparently, they looked very good. Props to UK, turning it around. Texter says, "You've said that non." Nike schools have a difficult time landing big-time recruits. Have I? 
So then how did a Under Armour school like South Carolina poach Gigi Jackson away from UNC? That has not been a, a, a comment that I've made very often. If you've listened to the show, I think I've actually made the point before this year that you know, you've seen Adidas AU kids go to Nike. You've seen some Nike kids go to Adidas schools. I think you can go everywhere. The talking point this year, and it's kind of hard to deny, and I don't know if it's an NIL thing or if it's fallout from the FBI scandal, but only seven of the top 100 players in the 2022 recruiting class signed with Adidas schools. And that's that's something. I, mean, I think we've talked about Kenny Payne having some trouble maybe adjusting to life away from the Nike umbrella. I think there could be some legitimacy there. A lot of people seem to believe that. But I'm I'm with you as far as historically, you've been able to go out there and get guys from programs under different licensing deals, marketing deals, clothing deals, apparel deals. I do think it's tougher. I mean, I, I, the story that Chris Mack told on the Field of 68 podcast last week was Brandon Warren took a visit to campus. Brandon Warren, who now is probably the number one, he, there's no probably about it, he's been the best freshman in all of college basketball this season. Brandon Warren gets to campus, they start talking about your goals, who are you as a person, what, do you, what would you like to achieve in college, and he says openly, I'm here for a visit, I'm not going to a, a non-Nike school. And they sent him home. And I think that that's, you see a lot of big-time recruits who are swimming in the same waters that a lot of times when Louisville's in on a five-star kid, the other schools on his list are Kansas and UCLA and Indiana. And I don't think that that's just a coincidence. I think that's just, it's the way it works sometimes. But certainly there are exceptions. As far as Gigi Jackson, I mean, he was a local kid. He's right there in their backyard. He wanted to reclass. He couldn't do that at UNC and, and find playing time this year because they brought so much back from last year's team. So he reclassified and goes to South Carolina where they let him do whatever he wants. I think that's sort of an outlier situation. Uh, Texas says, hopefully Okorafor isn't basing his expectations of this team on the WKU game. Well, the way that Kenny Payne told that story was Okorafor was watching film of the WKU game to try and see what Louisville did differently in that game and was so successful at compared to the other games where we have not scored more than 72 points, let alone 94, which is, if that's a, uh, a true story, an accurate story of what was going on, that's awesome. That, that's a fantastic deal. You want kids like that. Texas says, you hit the nail on the head with lots of Browns fans. Back when only three channels came in here, the Browns were on almost every weekend. My dad is a Browns fan. Lots of older folks are Browns fans. Don't forget lots and lots of Steelers fans. I don't like them, but those are probably the most, most vocal committed fans. Oh yeah, th- there are definitely lots of Steelers fans here. My dad was a he never really had a full-on NFL team. I think he cheers for the Lions now more than anybody else. But he was a he cheered for the Browns for a brief period when I was younger because he was really good friends with with Frank Minifield, who played for the Browns, and they were kind of his team. And they were were certainly lovable losers back then too. Texas Mike quote that damn lady at the pet store tried to pressure me. Ten minutes later, Mike is pressuring the audience to adopt pets so they aren't euthanized. LOL. Look, I didn't want a cat. She was trying. She was putting me on the spot at the moment. I, I went there with no intention of adopting a, a, a cat. My s- daughter just wanted to pet a cat. And then she brought up adopting it. And then I said, we have a dog. And I don't know if she would be happy. And the woman just interjected by saying, I've got a dog and a cat. And they get along great. Just She threw me under the bus. She knew that I was trying to get out of it. She just, she threw me totally under the bus. But yeah, if that person doesn't get, if that person doesn't get a dog. Then- and then she went home that night and said, Guess who I threw under the bus today? Twiddle her fingers together. <laughs> Mike Rutherford, I threw him under the bus. That stupid son of a... He's coming back here tomorrow. I guarantee it. He's going to buy that cat. 
Texas, I think people inflated what Louisville actually is. Sadly, I think its best days are gone now for UFL basketball. I, I don't think that's true. That's you, that's the that's angry guy. That's fine. Um, maybe, but I don't think that you can just say that definitively. Texas, a few times while traveling abroad, I've been asked skittishly if I know any hill people. <laughs> Come on, hills have eyes. <laughs> it's not that bad here. It's it's not it's it's not the way it is. Um, all right, all right. Uh, we've got cards in action tonight against Boston College. Again, it is a 9 o'clock tip-off. The last time I checked the spread, which was earlier in the show, Boston College was a 9.5-point favorite, which is, it, it's, I was going to say humbling, but we've been, we've been humbled enough. It's not shocking, but it is shocking given Louisville's history, but it's not shocking given this season. It's a, it's not a good Boston College team. I'm not going to try to paint a pretty picture here. The fact that they're predicted to beat us by almost double figures is, is is another indication of where we are and what's happening this season. But I, I it's a game where the Cards should have a fighting chance. It, it, it's a BC team that doesn't shoot it all that well, which plays well into what has been arguably your biggest efficiency this season outside of turnovers, which has been defending the perimeter. We've been lit up by good shooting teams from three all season long. BC, they are unfortunately coming off of a game where they made 11 threes against Notre Dame. That seems to be an outlier performance. If they regress more to the norm tonight, I think Louisville should be in this game if they can take care of the ball. They don't, even, they don't have to be great. Just a little bit better than their worst days. Not, let's not have a 21 turnover night, not a 17. Maybe just keep it around 14-15. That's not good, but it would be better than we've played. Don't let them get cheap points off turnovers. I think Louisville hangs around a little bit tonight. I think they're, they're right there in that game. I think this will be a, one of the games where we go back and it's more like waking Clemson where you've got a shot with five minutes to go and they just don't ever get over that hump. I think BC wins. I'm going to say 81-75. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Emmanuel Okorafor tears it up. I hope that we're 1-0 in the Okorafor era. Let's get it done. Regardless, we'll see you guys tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Indiana basketball tonight on the Big X. Cardinal basketball over there on 970 WGTK. Go UofL. Beat BC.